This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. A big political defeat for Governor Hochul. The state Senate has rejected her pick to lead New York's highest court. Senate Democrats suddenly decided to hold a floor vote on the nomination of Judge Hector LaSalle. It came just two days before a judge was scheduled to hear a challenge to the constitutionality of LaSalle's rejection by members of the Judiciary Committee instead of all 63 senators. But the result was the same. The nomination fails. Outrage growing less than two weeks after that massive train derailment and the controlled burn of hazardous chemicals sent up a toxic plume of black smoke in East Palestine, Ohio. It doesn't smell safe that I'm taking my things and I'm out of here. Residents demanding answers, complaining of burning eyes, nausea, headaches, and a pungent odor. Mayor Adams discussed his priorities in the upcoming state budget, which includes striking some proposed cost burdens to the city. We are being told to add a half a billion dollars onto our budget uh, for eternity. That is just unfair. Considering today doing an ode to Duran Duran. This one, of course, one of their all-time classics, Say a Prayer. And uh, the timing is perfect because their lead singer, Simon LeBond, died last night. So, What, why, what gets into your head? Even, what, what, what? See, you, you don't even figure, you can't even figure out what... what Rhyme or reason why you say that. I don't even know why I say it. I don't know. He's not dead, of course. So no. Thank God he's not. Yeah, watch the watch the internet now. <laughs> this dummy. <laughs> I actually saw him and the band perform live. Believe it or not, New Year's Eve, when uh, Mike Butler, who's a great cop and also my PA at my house, invited me, um, Danielle, and Ava and Gabe to Times Square and. For the first time in my 55-year existence on this planet, I took advantage of it, and we loved it. It was a rainy night, you know, out there in our yellow ponchos. And right before midnight, when they dropped the ball, the band that performed was, in fact, Duran Duran. So is not dead. But I tell you what, who could have been dead is me. I mean, there are some new revelations that uh, hit the news yesterday. I, I, could, I, I could be dead. Ah. 
By the way, I'm solo today. We've had a lot of uh, in-studio guests and co-hosts and Andrew Giuliani and uh, Heather was in a couple days ago and Jen was in yesterday. They all did a great job, but I need a little time off. From, uh, there's too many people. You know? yeah. I need to speak and, you know me, I like to tell stories and I believe that's the best part of the show. I really do. And so does everybody else. So we got to calm down. There's too many people in this. Too many damn people in here. It's, it's got to stop. Death updates. Yeah. Andrew's going to be once a week, Curtis twice a week, and uh, that's it. It's too much. Okay, that'll change next week. I know. Just, just I, I wake up every day. I have no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you why uh, I'm lucky I'm alive today. Is This goes back to a story that um, took place a couple of weeks ago, dating all the way back to pre-New Year's Eve, when the Rosenbergs were staying at the U.N. Hilton on a 44th and 2nd. And one night after the gym, I came home. And who did I see in the streets? Chris Cuomo. And um, you know me, I'm a star snipper, I'm a jock snipper, all that stuff. Even though I'm a, a big star, I'm still that way. I'm, you know, I'm still pretty much the kid from Brooklyn, and I don't even realize the, uh, the fame and uh, reverence and love I've got. I don't even realize it. So I see Cuomo, i got to take a picture. And uh, we exchanged some pleasantries. Mind you, I hate him, and I hate his brother even more, but it didn't stop me. Trump taking a picture and shaking his hand, and the very next day, after exchanging numbers, one Christopher Cuomo actually texted me, this is true now, Happy New Year. And I was like, wow, maybe you're not such a bad guy. Happy New Year to you. And based on the conversation the night before and the Happy New Year text, I took that as, "Eh, I'm okay with you. So you know the story about two weeks after that, I invited Chris Cuomo on the show, and I don't care whether you want him. It doesn't matter to me. Don't, don't bother Instagramming and Facebooking. I don't care. It would be a fascinating interview. I would ask him why his brother is such a louse, why he did the things he did, and I would wish him luck at uh, that uh, Fakakta station he's at now, News Nation. But I wanted to do it to uh, get some answers. Same thing I do with Eric Adams and others. And I do believe, despite some, not a lot, but some of the nastiness on social media, that folks would be glued to the radio. Unlike his interview with Anthony Scaramucci yesterday, although it's making world news, because I would have gone harder in a very respectful way like I do at Cuomo. So I asked him that day to come on, and (laughs) right off the bat, I mean, it wasn't even good morning. It was, hold on a second. You know, I, I realized after that night, you're the guy that says crap about my brother. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And I'll do it again. Zero apologies. Andrew Cuomo is a lowlife. Zero. I don't care if you're friends with him, brothers, mother, God rest his father's soul. Andrew Cuomo is a lowlife. And you saw the text, Phil, Lou, Justin, all of you. And at no point during this, what became a nasty text conversation, did I back down and say, hey, Andrew's not a bad guy. No, he's a lowlife. So Chris goes on to say, you know, when I saw you that night, I should have put my hands around your neck and strangled you. It was, without a shadow of a doubt, a physical threat. Now, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, come on, please. And I went back in him and ended up being a really good article and column for Cindy Adams. One of my favorite Cindy Adams columns ever. The Cuomo-Rosenberg potential fight. He went on to, to talk nonsense. Well, have your boss, John Katzmatidis, put up a billion dollars. We'll do it for charity, bare knuckles. I mean, a complete 
Psycho. Psycho. And so one morning on the Brian Kilmeade show, and you've heard this before, but that's fine. Kilmeade is on after me, 10 o'clock every morning. He got into this conversation about Cuomo and Rosenberg with Janice Dean. If you don't know the story about Janice Dean, Janice used to work with me and Lou on IMUS 20-plus years ago. That's how her New York career started. And after IMUS nearly drove her to suicide, I'm not even exaggerating, I'm being honest. Is that, is that accurate, Lou? Yeah, she, he made her a wreck. As great as she was on the air, and she just... It, it, she, it, she didn't let it affect her on the air, if you ask me. And, and I knew her pretty well from the beginning, and I thought she was great. But she would have um, little episodes, and it really... He, he drove her nuts. Yeah, I mean, she'd be hysterical crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's terrible. Which he, he did to a lot of people. That's, yeah. this, that's the fact. He did it to me, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, yeah, to yeah. Varying degree, various degrees to people, and yeah. they definitely did it to you. Yeah. So she... Um, she went on to work at Fox News, and now she's their meteorologist. But now she's really most well-known for being the face of the anti-Cuomos because not one, but both, both of her in-laws died because of Andrew Cuomo's nursing home policies. Not one, both of her in-laws died. So she hates Andrew Certainly you go back to the days when Chris Cuomo was on CNN and him and his brother would be yucking it up, baby, that big Q-tip, and people are dying. Cuomo's getting $5 million, which he was allowed to keep for his book, How to Combat COVID, even though he's responsible for about 18,000 deaths. These are facts, not Sid Rosenberg opinions. They're yucking it up. So, Janice, there's no love lost there for Chris either, even though... Andrew is the real villain. So this goes back to a couple of weeks ago, right after the Cindy Adams column in the New York Post, the Brian Kilmeade show, Brian and Janice talking about this potential bout between Cuomo and Rosenberg. The other thing is Chris Cuomo Mm -hmm. and going after Sid Rosenberg. Terrible. So have you talked to Sid about this? That's all I do. We talk about this. (laughs) So. What a bully. He's just a bully. Chris Cuomo says, I hear you talking about bad about my brother. Do you want to fight for charity? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what's he talking about? He's the only way he's going to get press. He's on that television station that has maybe five viewers. So I guess he's trying to use his bullying tactics and his incredible muscle to... Go up against a beloved figure in New Who's York Radio. One in the morning. Yeah, Sid's hilarious. I love him so much. Right. I think he should do it because I think he'd punch him out. Right. But I mean, should we at, at this age be? No, you're right. Be fighting in the hallways. It's just like, how old are you, Chris Cuomo, with your stupid? You know. Do you remember when Tucker Carlson used like, yeah. like a video in a loop showing of Chris, Chris Cuomo, Cuomo you know, with lifting his weights and thinking he's like a tough guy? That's all he thinks he is. That's all he's got. Right. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm just <laughs> Would saying. Would you tune in? Would you pay for to see that? No, I don't. I don't want Sid to do it. I think because Sid's doing great. Why would he lower right, himself? Lower himself to that? Yeah, to do it. I mean, it's to me. If you're trying to establish yourself, you're stuck somewhere in Wyoming and Chris Cuomo calls you out and you think to yourself, oh, this could be my big break. Right. I'll come to New York and beat up a Cuomo. 
But for Sid, he's riding high. I wouldn't he is, go. Right, exactly. But I think he should still talk about it because it's just yet another <laughs> example of those Cuomo brothers being bullies. Right, and that would be good. That would that could. I would go and I would wear a weather bitch T-shirt. Because because Chris Cuomo apparently called me the weather bitch when I was going after his brother. So go back to a couple of weeks ago. It was about a three day fight on text between me and Chris. About three days. And it was endless. He kept coming back more, more, more. And then all of a sudden, after he said, look, whether you like it or not, I'm taking this public. We're going to fight. All of a sudden, on a Thursday afternoon, he went silent. And the consensus was was that his brother or somebody got to him. I think Curtis said this. Somebody got to him and they said, hey, Chris, shut up. Maybe it was Fox Nation. I don't know. They're like, Chris, you threaten the guy. You sound like an idiot. Shut up. And he just stopped talking to me weeks and weeks ago. Now, after the revelations we saw and heard yesterday, now some of this may make more sense. Because if you don't know, Chris Cuomo yesterday, I guess, was on Anthony Scaramucci, my guy Mooch, his podcast which I didn't even know Anthony still had, but way back when I was on that podcast, more than once, him and his wife Deirdre did one together. So Cuomo was on Anthony Scaramucci's podcast, and he talked about the time after CNN got rid of him. And some of the emotions, range of emotions, he was going through, and that may explain, when you hear this, why he did physically threaten me, why he did want to fight me, why he came off like a, a just a maniac, a raging maniac over a three-day period. This audio, courtesy of Anthony Scaramucci yesterday, should explain a heck of a lot. Accepted. I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody, uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I really had to fight against that because, you know, just like you did, I got too many people counting on me. <laughs> so he goes... I was going to kill everybody, including myself. For some reason, he felt this, he's compelled to add the Italian thing in there. You know, that's, yeah, a, that's like a whole thing with him. Built yeah. In. yeah, that's that's how we are. <laughs> you know, it's a passionate thing. We like pizza and killing people. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't even make sense. He, he, all those stereotypes for Italians, like Joe Tacopina hates that. Takapina will join us at 925, the famed defense attorney, a friend of mine for 43 years. He never watched The Sopranos. He hated it because he felt like that show depicted Italians the wrong way. No, I think that's silly. I really do. It's a great show. But that's how Joe felt. And Chris Cuomo is one of those guys who really makes Italians look bad. Yeah, and I have friends like that, too, some who are Italian. Like, I, I don't like those mob movies. They, they, they glorify the mob, and it's not funny, and people get killed, and so it's not a funny... Uh, sorry, I'm Italian. I just think the whole thing's funny, and it's, it's just, you just got to laugh at everything. And This guy takes himself so seriously. And he goes on to say, Cuomo admitted on this podcast, it was kind of embarrassing, that was his quote, to go from the top dog at CNN, the top dog at CNN, <laughs> which is not much of a top dog. CNN gets no ratings. I mean, none. He went from going from the top dog at CNN to a cable channel that, quote, people don't want to watch. And all that is true. I mean, 
He did go from one bad channel to a worse channel, but his career was basically over anyway at CNN with that idiot Jeff Zucker. So uh, Cuomo did see all these quotes in the New York Post yesterday and, of course, fired back quickly with a Chris Cuomo tweet, and it read like this. See the single quotes? That means characterization, not direct quote. That's the New York Post doing what it does. The truth? We all struggle. We all have to deal with upset and anger. I am no different. That is the point. You get it. They twist it. So it goes. Chris Cuomo. Could have been me, bro. I could have been dead. I almost want to, like, do a preliminary hit on him and then let you take <laughs> yeah. over. What could have you? easily been uh, Dominic Carter, uh, Curtis Sliwa, and Andrew Giuliani in the studio this morning. And not me. Easily. I mean, he was, I was right in his sights. I was right there. Oh, please. <laughs> you don't buy I it? Will, I will hit him, Dominic Carter, before and then, Sid, you can have him. We're going to take some phone calls on it. We'll be back here about that. Right, yeah, think, but, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> we got to hear from uh, Eric Adams today talking about charter schools, the budget, his thoughts on people working remotely after not that long ago. He said, nah, I don't want you at home in your pajamas. Well, it seems like the mayor who's supposed to be on tomorrow. I'm supposed to confirm that with Fabian Levy, City Hall today. And uh, we have a lot to talk about, me and Eric, a lot. So he has, uh, he was in this uh, this meeting yesterday up in Buffalo. It was Buffalo, right? Not Albany. Oh, no, Albany, excuse me. He was in Albany. And uh, talking about all this stuff. Nikki Haley is still out there talking. Joe Biden is still out there talking. J.J. Reddick and Chris Russo? What, what is this, Macedonia, Phil? They just had a really funny uh, back and forth on first take about whether or not Larry Bird is a top three three point shooter of all time. Larry Bird, yeah, interesting conversation. Okay, we'll get to that. Nancy Pelosi in the news today, a uh, whole bunch of good stuff. So we got four great guests, really a terrific guest list today, starting at seven forty with Judge Andrew Napolitano, eight forty. The man of the week, the great Bill O'Reilly, 905 live in studio as he is every Thursday now. The very entertaining and dear friend of mine, Bo Deedle, 925, famed defense attorney, friend of mine for 43 years. Donald Trump's new attorney, Joseph Takapina, will do Gnome's Nuggets with Gnome Layden coming up at 825. And we'll play Sid's Take coming up at 940, courtesy of my dear friend Pete Morgan. And the fine folks at Peerless Boilers, check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. Todd Shapiro checks in, and he says, love you, your show is amazing. You belong solo, fun and not boring like a 24-7 politics. Thank you, Todd. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Off to a kick-ass start on a Thursday morning on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. That's us. Sitting friends in the morning with Duran Duran on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi! Fifty-nine years ago today, the Beatles made their second appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show this date, which, of course, is February the 16th, back in 1964. They were actually appearing live from the Doville Hotel in Miami, Florida. The program drew about 70 million viewers. 70 million. That's about 35 times the amount that watched Sean Hannity. So you know, and they performed uh, six songs that night. She loves you, this boy, all my loving. I saw her standing there from me to you, and that one, I want to hold your hand. A lot of the same songs they played. I guess it was a week ago or two weeks ago uh, on the anniversary of fifty-nine years, their first appearance. Yeah, that's like their record had just come out too. So that was like their first material. Oh, that's what it was, right? Yeah, that yeah. was a month before I was born. Nineteen sixty-four. Yeah. Oh my God, you're old. Yeah. I was born in 67, and I feel really old. Yeah. Really old. Well, welcome. Fell asleep last night during the Goldbergs at 8.30. Oh, God, is that still on? It's still on. It's terrible. I never really liked it. My wife liked it. I, I never really liked it. I thought it was stupid. Was... You know, the, the, the girl who plays the mother, everybody still loves her for some reason. Yeah, she's annoying. She's so exaggerated and annoying. The only guy I really liked on the show was the father. Father, and they fired him. They fired him for, like, doing nothing for, you know, he looked at some. I don't know what he did wrong. Yeah, it was some harassment charge, Yeah, but it was right? nonsense harassment. But I don't even, how did they write him out of the script? Did they I don't kill know. him or something? I don't know. I, I don't pay attention. No. The kid Barry annoys me. The mother annoys me. Yeah, they just, they talk stupid. annoying. Yeah, they, oh. they, they, I get it. The hair, the rollerblade, I get it. But the father was great. Because everybody uh, had a relative like that, just a fat guy Who sitting insulted, on his chair, insulted. right? He hated everybody. <laughs> he was the best part of the show by far, and they got rid of him. Hey, and, moron! And don't forget the grandfather on that show. He died, and that was the great actor. Oh. Come on. Uh, he Not was... Jerry Stiller. Jerry Stiller played um, Kevin James's father-in-law in King of Queens, but on the same level. Yeah. Old-time great guy, comedian. And now I've forgotten his name. What show were we talking about? We're talking about uh, the Goldbergs. Who was the grandfather? He died a couple of years ago. Really well-known actor. Good movies Comed- in the 60s, yes. too, and 70s. Um, oh, come on. What is it? See, oh. Jerry Stiller comes to mind, but that's George Siegel? George Siegel. Yes, yes. That's right. You remember him, uh, Phil? From? It's so stupid. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so yesterday. <laughs> sure I do. Yeah. Yesterday we played um, a bunch of gaffes from Joe Biden. And then we played Corrine Jean-Pierre, KJP, the worst White House press secretary ever. She actually said, and I quote, the president, Joe Biden, is the best communicator we've got in the White House. I mean, <laughs> does she not hear these things and see these things? I mean, come on. I understand it's your job, but there's got to be a way to defend your boss, 
even compliment your boss without saying something so outrageous that you sound like a complete idiot. But I guess she doesn't care. So I saw something on Instagram yesterday. By the way, you can follow me on Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. I don't tweet anymore. I'm only on Instagram. So I saw something on Instagram, one of these reels, where they had KGP saying this ridiculous thing and then a whole bunch of gaps. Like you did yesterday, Lewis, but they added some more. It's too easy. <laughs> I know. So here it is, straight off of Instagram, montage number 15. You're going to hear it. The great communicator himself, the president of the United States, the Honorable Joe Biden. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway, from from uh, uh, Char- excuse me, from Charlotte, one a, a, another line going from in, in Florida down to Tampa of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah, <laughs> America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, foot, foot. <laughs> the idea that. Um, Los Angeles and, uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? <laughs> For two reasons. One, two. We haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, let uh, um, me say another way. With the nature, not a solid meeting with, um, with, uh, okay. The uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what that you can do. The drivers. The um. Come on. I mean, that's just not even fair. <laughs> the great communicator himself, Joe Biden. <laughs> Traffic is <laughs> traffic is coming out. <laughs> traffic is coming up next, but right now it's time for the seventy-seven WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show, and she begs the question here: "Quote: Can anyone really knock out?" Donald Trump. I think there's going to be a lot of names in the hopper, but I think it is clearly Trump's race to lose if he can sort of stay in that lane. So is there anybody out there that you really think can take Trump head on? And do you think, if not, that Trump has this nomination, that it's going to be nasty? It's going to be a drag out. There's going to be a lot of bruised and battered candidates. But I think at the end of the day, he is still clearly the leader of the pack and he's going to be Really hard to beat. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. I want to see these beautiful young ladies. I want to see them dancing when they're four years old or two. Oh, come on.
Yes, the great communicator, Chris Martin, Coldplay at 641 Thursday morning back here on Sid and Friends in the morning. Huge guest list today, Judge Napolitano, Joseph Takapina, Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Noam Layden, all stopping by today. All men. I just realized that. A lot of women on the show lately. A lot of women guests, some women co-hosts. Hooray. But all guys today, son. All right, great. Yeah, every once in a while, you need a good shot of testosterone to uh, get the audience all fired up. You know what I'm saying? There, Big Lou. Big Lou. Come on now. Come on, Big Louie. <laughs> so Nikki Haley is out there, and um, everybody on this show hates her because, well, everybody on this show is a Trump loyalist. You know, I'm not a Trump loyalist. I'm a Trump supporter, but I don't make my decisions about other people based on how Donald Trump feels about them. I just don't. Bernie did that, God rest his soul. We are coming to you live this morning from the Bernard McGurk Studios. And congratulations again to my late dear friend listening, I hope, from heaven right now on the birth of his grandson, Colin Bernie McGurk, last week to Brendan and Jessica. Nine pounds, three ounces, Carol, Melanie, everybody, congratulations. But I don't, uh, I don't do that. Like Andrew Giuliani was in on Monday and Tuesday. I love Andrew. But he doesn't like Nikki because, well, why? Because Nikki and Trump, that thing blew up at the very end, and Andrew is still a Trump loyalist. So Nikki has now announced she's running for president, and I believe she's only the second Republican candidate to do it since Donald Trump announced it months ago. So Nikki, where was Nikki yesterday, Justin Ellick, when we got all this audio? Uh, she was in South Carolina. South Carolina. I believe, I believe it was uh, Charleston. I could be mistaken. That's her home state. Yeah, it is uh, her home state. Exactly. And, of course, it was in Charleston where they had that uh, that Dylan Roof, that racist lowlife, who opened fire on a bunch of innocent churchgoers, African-Americans, in a racist attack. And Nikki Haley, after that, was was the person most responsible for having the Confederate flag removed from all the administrative offices in South Carolina, which was a very, very good thing. So Nikki's done some good stuff, but her and Trump didn't get along well at the end, and that's all that some people seize on. So yesterday at this rally she did in her home state of South Carolina, she started off by talking about China. And we know from our conversation we had yesterday with Gordon Chang that China is far and away, it's not even close, China is far and away our number one enemy. And the thought is, is that all these balloons that are popping up all over the country, really all over the world, but we've shot down about three or four here in the United States, thought is, is that China is, I don't know how imminent it is, but they are preparing to attack either or both Taiwan, and Japan. And they know, based upon what Biden keeps telling them, because Biden gives you the playbook before the game, he gives the the, the other team the playbook, that if that happens, we're going to jump in and help Taiwan defend themselves. So China wants to gather as much information on our military as possible to see what they're in store for if, in fact, or when they do invade Taiwan and or Japan. So Nikki Haley, uh, Nikki Haley, I should say, at her rally yesterday spoke about China, America, all these important issues. 
This, Lou Rapino, is Nikki Haley, cut number seven. And in the America I see, communist China won't just lose. Like the Soviet Union before it, communist China will end up on the ash heap of history. Let's go to Nikki Haley, the second cut. China will end up on the ash heap of history. Here in the second cut, Nikki talks about a strong United States. I see a strong America because I see a proud America. Strong and proud, not weak and woke. That's the America I see. That's the America she sees. And uh, listen, we know this. Most Republicans especially Sid Rosenberg, very, very pro-police. That seems to be the case with Nikki Haley. Pro-police, Lou Rufino, cut number nine. In the America I see, police know we have their backs. Around, around. And criminals know we have their number. (laughs) And our states will be safe again. Kind of like that one. Oh, that makes up maybe for the announcement. I know. <laughs> yeah, that, with that dramatic, stupid music. That's worth replaying, actually. Oh, yeah. Let's do that again. Nikki Haley, cut number nine. You tell them, lady. Tell them. In the America I see, police know we have their backs. And criminals know we have their number. And our states will be safe again. In number 10, she talks about voter ID, which I don't know how anybody can argue this. The left always says, well, you can't have voter ID. That's racist because black folks, they don't have ID. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's racist. You morons. Of course, black people have ID. Everybody's got ID. You can't drive a car. Whether you're black, white, green, yellow, there is nothing more racist than a Democrat making the argument that voter ID is racist. We know that already. You absolutely, 1,000% should have to show ID before you vote. Anybody who argues that is really the racist. So this is Nikki Haley, cut number 10. In the America I see, everyone has full confidence in our elections. Voter ID will be the law of the land, just like we did in South Carolina. So there's been a lot of folks voting lately about this potential second matchup between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And if it was to happen, Donald Trump, although still energetic for his age, will be 78. And that's getting older, 78. Joe Biden will be 82. And Joe Biden at this point, and I hate to say this, it doesn't sound very nice, is a complete vegetable. And people are like, where are the young up-and-comers? We know who they are, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, but they're not likely to win. 78 versus 82, that don't work. Nikki Haley talked about that, too. Lewis, cut number 11. In the America I see, the permanent politician will finally retire. We'll have term limits for Congress. That'd be nice. And mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. Love it. Love it. 
send Chuck Schumer home. I mean, could you imagine oh, okay. if they had a competency oh. test, Lou, Joe Biden would never pass. Well, never. What am I here for? And finally, uh, she, this is the, uh, the money shot, if you will. Illegal immigration, drugs. This is the one folks really want to hear. Nikki Haley at yesterday's rally in South Carolina. Cut number 12. In the America I see, we stop the surge of drugs and illegal immigration. Yeah. That means having a real border and mandatory E-Verify like we got done in South Carolina. She got a lot done in South Carolina. Every, um, every time she spoke, she started with, the preface was, in the America I see, and ended with, that's what we did in South Carolina. Sounds like South Carolina is a great place. I don't know much about it. I watched that show, Southern Charm. <laughs> that does it. <laughs> on the Bravo Channel <laughs> with Schlepp and Craig and all those, you know, debutantes and socialites and, you know, young kids who seemingly have no jobs but drink and party all day. It looks spectacular. And it looks like a beautiful city. I've been to Charleston, of course, but I don't know. It seems like Nikki Haley has done a lot for South Carolina. Kind of sounds like Ron DeSantis, what he's done down in Florida, but we'll see. There it is. Nikki Haley yesterday in the great state of South Carolina. Five great guests about to come your way. Judge Andrew Napolitano, Noam Layden, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, and Joseph Tacopina on this, the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Crime running rampant in New York. You need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347 559 7052. 347 559 7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Got out of town on a boat from the southern islands. Sailing the reach. For a following sea She was making for the trades On the outside And the downhill run To Papa Ete Off the wind On the 
Great one here. Join the 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. Enter now for this week's 77 WABC Club Prize. This is a good one. This is a great one, actually. It's a personalized and autographed copy of WABC owner and operator, my dear friend John Katzmatidi's new book, how far do you want to go? Lessons from a common sense billionaire. And uh, John was on with me a couple of days ago when he said, and I quote, if you read this book, you will learn how to make a billion dollars. That sounds pretty good to me, right? <laughs> Join the 77 WABC family as every week we're giving away prizes to our 77 WABC VIP members. Prizes include live event experiences, celebrity meet and greets, signed memorabilia, concert tickets, and more. This week, a personalized and autographed copy of WABC owner-operator John Katzmatidi's new book, How Far Do You Want to Go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. Can't wait to read this. Sign up for 77 WABC's VIP Club by downloading the app or by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. You'll also receive a special members-only newsletter and be automatically entered for a chance to win each week's 77 WABC VIP prize. Folks, do it. I've done it. Become a 77 WABC VIP like me. So um, one of my uh, childhood squeezes, my crushes, died yesterday. Raquel Welch. Huh? I was just thinking about it, like if you yeah. were going to mention that. She really was beautiful. On just... But beyond it, she exuded sexiness. She and, did, and she didn't. She wasn't even like gross in any way. She wasn't way. slutty. She was just right. uh, classy, and you just wanted. It was. It was hard to explain. She was hot. Yeah, she was hot and just amazing. I remember um, even the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember watching the Flintstones, and they were doing something with Rock Kel right. Welch. They would always right, and Anne Margaret, and they called her Anne Margrock. Right. And you wanted it. You wanted to then go look at Anne yeah, Margaret after yeah. that. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Anne Margrock, Rock Welch. So I looked at uh, Welch and, and Anne Margaret. I'm like, oh my god, these really are beautiful women. I mean, yeah. I, I always thought, for example, and I always say my wife Danielle is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen and met. That'll always be the case. Um, but I thought, for example, Sophia Loren was a beautiful woman. So when I looked uh, back, I like so- Sophia Loren, Anne Margaret. Uh, this uh, lady, God rest her soul, Raquel Welch. You know what I thought was actually beautiful? And she never, ever got mentioned nearly as much as the other, quote-unquote, angels. Jacqueline Smith. Oh, unbelievable. unbelievable. Oh, my God. I mean, Farrah Fawcett, God, of God rest her soul, and, and uh, Cheryl Ladd, and all these other ones. But... Oh, no. When that show came on, forget it. What the hell was, uh, who was on with the short hair? Kate Jackson. <laughs> How was she doing on that show? She was, come on. Oh, well, tell me, uh, Joyce DeWitt was gorgeous, too? 
standing um, there next, next to Stan Summers. <laughs> depends what time of night it is. <laughs> I guess you're right. Oh, we got a <laughs> Mr. Furley could do it. Oh, I loved him. Yeah. That was Don Knotts, right? But yeah, he was Don Knotts. And the other guy was. Um, okay, let's see if you. I got it. I know you do. It was. Um, Doc, it was Mr. Fel, Fel. Norman Fell. Norman Fell. There you go. Thank you. Got a great three hours. That was a great hour. A great hour. Great three hours about to come your way, which include this hour, Bill O'Reilly's morning message, and the very bright Judge Andrew Napolitano. Hour two of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. Sitting friends in the morning. About to come your way after Noam Layden with the news. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The ode to Duran Duran continues, our number two of Sid and Friends in the Morning. I did say that uh, the lead singer, Simon LeBond, passed away last night. I was incorrect. I don't know where I got that information. Well, it's all over uh, nowhere. <laughs> I was looking for an excuse to play Duran Duran all day. So <laughs> well, I don't even know why. There's probably about... 15,000 better excuses than, oh, uh, Simon died. died. Yeah, you don't have to kill someone to play their music. <laughs> Jeez, just play their music if you Be like quiet, it. Be quiet, Bill. You okay. know how many people stopped me yesterday down in Battery Park walking the streets? Uh-oh. And they were like, oh, my God, who's this kid on your show, this <laughs> America-hating, basketball-loving jerk? How <laughs> many people uh, stopped You don't even know how many. It was a lot. <laughs> okay. Simon LeBond, one of them. Well, tell <laughs> yeah. them I'm uh, genuinely. And I mean this with all con- and everything considered. You don't care. Extremely <laughs> sorry. What's the matter with you? Oh, how much time you got to? <laughs> what, were you, what were you raised by? I mean, I, I've never, <laughs> I've never talked to or met your parents. They, they gotta be, they gotta be decent people. I mean, they, yeah, they're, yeah, they're they're better people than I am. That's for sure. Well, I'm not sure Osama bin Laden's not a person. <laughs> and, and you were born in Hamburg, New Jersey, which is a beautiful place. Yeah. I'm not going to argue that anymore. It's just wrong. But. It's wrong. Yeah. You weren't born there? No. Where were you born? I was born in uh, the Isle of Macedon, and I conquered it at a young age. <laughs> came here. You know, what's funny about you is you've got a great sense of humor. You're smart. You're all these things. But there is something inside you that's just died. No, it's so twisted. And, what yeah. happened? What does that mean? 
Well, I don't know, but there's, there's, there's something off. There's... <laughs> off? Yeah. Like, I'm not nervous about you. Like, I've worked with people that I thought would come to work one day with a gun, and I'm, I don't feel that way about you. I just, I find you to be, and this is coming from me, and I'm really effed up, uh, a fascinating case study of, of um, what's gone wrong exactly with person oh okay well i've you know i've had moments where i've had a choir of doctors examine my brain all of them scratching their heads <laughs> what wait what, a second what, what, guys, what is what is a choir of a choir yeah that means a, what, a bunch what i guess they, yeah, he goes to a choir singing yeah. <laughs> i mean I, i've been in this business now i started this business in 1997 with scott kaplan so this is year 26 for me at one point i was Thanks to our sports fan radio network in Westwood One, syndicated in nearly 80 markets. 93, actually, with Joel Hollander. All over the world. I've worked at WFAN and big stations like WQIM down in Miami. This, the legendary, iconic WABC. I've never met anybody like you. Thanks, Any, anywhere. Think, right? It's no, there a, is. No, that's a compliment. Unique is, could be an insult or a compliment. I'll take no, it as a compliment. I, I, I actually think unique, 99% is a compliment. Very rarely... No, I'm going to go with unique as a compliment. I mean, okay. Noam, you've been in this business for a long time, and you've worked at some legendary stations like I have. Have you ever met anybody like Macedonia Phil? I love Macedonia <laughs> Phil. I can't tell you how much I love yeah, but, but, I but, really but, do. But, but that's fine. So do I. I but, don't believe that. But can you explain why? Because I can't. Yeah, he's no. not. You know, maybe just because he's honest. Yeah, like he's he's showing you everything. That's a great. You always way to like play someone it. who shows you everything because that's fun. Yeah, he's, he's not nice. afraid to show you everything. Well, yeah. porn stars show you everything too. But I'm yeah. not. Sure. I'm waiting for that moment for Macedonia, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were honest yesterday. That wasn't just stick. You really don't want kids doing the Pledge of Allegiance. You don't want people standing for the national anthem. I don't think it should be enforced. I don't think anything should be enforced. Anything at all? Nothing. What about, what about laws? Can criminals just run the streets? Should that be enforced? I mean, isn't that what's going on right now? <laughs> yes. But don't you think they should fix it or just leave it the way it is? No. I, all right, fine. There should be some things okay. that are enforced. All right. But very few, like six things. I'll come up with six different things that we had for <laughs> Okay, and do that. Keep it at that. Just be one six of, things. Be one of the games yeah. <laughs> this week. What are the six things that Phil thinks should be enforced? You know, I've been... Um... I wish wear underwear. <laughs> It's been in the uh, in the newspapers and uh, all over town, public now, this friendship, which is real, it's real, uh, between me and the mayor, Eric Adams. In fact, I think Eric will be on tomorrow. And he's dealing with a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, and, and I know Bo Deedle has been like, oh, man, you can, you can hire me. I don't want money. I just, a bunch of people have volunteered their services to help the mayor because... The mayor's got a very difficult job, and some of that he puts on himself. I, I'll, I'll, I'll get on him this morning about the charter school thing, but it does seem to me, Phil, like you'd be perfect. When I have these dinners with Mayor Adams, I think you just saw it coming. I'm always willing to come. I know. Well, the food's free, and it's usually good. I love free stuff. Right, and we no, go to great no restaurants. It well, it's not free. I pay for it. But, um, it's free in that case. I know. Anything that I'm not paying for is free. That's just right. what it is. So if we sit down, as we have, and talked about... Bail reform or crime, uh, anti-Semitic attacks, all the schools. Stuff, I think all the stuff is important. You do. So I don't. I don't think I could really, you know, directly help in any of those. But what if Eric but Adams I'm, looked at you and said, "Phil, I've, I've got, I'm in a real pickle here. I just mm-hmm. can't have the legislators up in Albany don't want to help me, and the governor doesn't care either, and New Yorkers are holding it against me, and I don't know what to do, Phil. What is your recommendation on?" getting this bail reform thing fixed and you would say what if you were at that dinner Ooh, bail reform is a touchy subject yeah 
Um, you could change the subject to Jalen Brunson. That's the probably Knicks. what I would do. Yeah. I would, well, first off, we have to have dinner at a place that has TVs on. We need to watch. Like it. last night, you could have seen the Knicks win again, beat the Hawks, and beat them easily. Yeah. Don't look now, but the Knicks are really good, right? Sure. What do you mean, sure? There's six games over 500. No, they're a good team. Jalen Brunson, I remember when they signed him, you're like, oh my God, it's a lot of money. He's like the best agent signing in the history of the Knicks. I said, I said, I, I actually really like the signing for the money. Maybe it was Corey, yeah, because somebody was like, "Oh my God, that's a lot of money for another guard," but he's been outstanding. Yeah, he's been good. And uh, I think, but they, Eric is a Brooklyn fan, you know. I think, I think he's they, a Nets fan more than a Knicks fan. They uh, played. They won yesterday too. Yeah, they did. But so you you would uh, you would change, I would change the, the subject, subject. Cha- immediately change. I I like talking about things that aren't like you know black and white. I like having. Well, you'd be sitting with Eric Adams, so that would be black and white. <laughs> That's one. Yeah, he'd be yeah black. I'd be white. <laughs> no. That's true. We would be black and white. Right. That's where you come in. That's where you're. You're the. Uh, you're I'm not really white. No. I'm cl- I'm closer to Eric Adams' color than most white people. <laughs> That's true. You're, yeah. you're closer to. The, uh, I, I I need to come up with like a. An actual color for what you are. Yeah, they have, they have these uh, T-shirts you can buy right now with the store, WABCstore.com, rose and tan T-shirts. And, um, well, of course, uh, they exploit me every opportunity here because I'm in great shape. And so they asked me to take a picture while I was working out. So you see me in this, I'm all tan in this T-shirt. My arms are bulging, pumped veins everywhere. And uh, I believe they sold uh, 20,000 T-shirts day one, 20,000. Oh, jeez. Where'd you get this number from? I just made it up. Okay. You ever hear Joe Biden? I recovered nine trillion dollars. The deficit is fine. That's a little too clear, though. He doesn't. Sound he doesn't already like talk that. like that. No. You're right. Do you think, I, Jack? It's about it's <laughs> it's sev- seventeen and a, a quarter acres of uh, what we had in the budget. <laughs> he Jack. spoke yesterday about the uh, Biden economic plan, and he said it's working. <laughs> You want to play that? Joe Biden, cut number 13, this imbecile. Gas prices are down $1.60 a gallon. They're going to come down further from their peak. Yeah. And inflation is coming down. Yeah. Take-home pay for workers has gone up sure. over the past several months. we got more to do, but I'm telling you, the Biden economic plan is working. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. It sounds like Petticoat Junction, like <laughs> uncle sitting there. Yeah, we got more to do. Then he talked about uh, oil yesterday. This one's going to make uh, John Katsimatidis want to get up and scream. Joe Biden cut number 14. No, this is going to have a major impact on the environment, what we're doing. Specifically reducing carbon in the air as we begin to move these 500,000 charging stations around the world. I mean, around the country. (laughs) And all of it's going to take millions of barrels of oil off the road. Hmm. (laughs) John Cerullo checks in. He says, and I quote, Phil indeed is an imbecile. Uh, Eric Adams spoke yesterday. (laughs) Oh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and try to argue it. John Cerullo's a great man. I disagree with John. I happen to like and respect John, but he could not be any more wrong. You were anything but an imbecile. I, I feel like genius. I'm more on his side than I'm on yours. <laughs> okay. Adams is at this uh, joint budget hearing, and he talked about uh, categorizing repeat offenders. He has uh, talked a lot about that, the recidivists and, uh, you know, the few thousand people that are making life miserable for millions because they get out and, you know, even this uh, Michigan state shooter. Killed three people, injured five others. He had uh, he was arrested on, on a gun uh, possession charge years ago. I mean, you know, all these horrible stories. Every now and then you'll see a kid, for example, like a school shooter. Nicholas Cruz down in Parkland, the animal that killed those kids in Uvalde. Generally, I think I'm right here. Generally, those people don't have records because they're young. They're 17, 18, and they buy their first gun, they go kill, but... 
almost all of these stories here in the city of these horrible crimes you see committed every day, every one of them has a rap sheet, some longer than others, but every one of them has a rap sheet. Here's uh, Lewis, Eric Adams at the joint budget hearing in Albany yesterday, cut number two. The, some of the repeated offenses that we're witnessing, uh, particularly property crimes, they fall into three categories. Category, category one is the individual who is part of an organized ring. Uh, the attorney general did an amazing job of taking down one of those rings. Category two is a person who's substance abuse. Uh, they are dealing with a substance abuse, and we need to address that. And category three are those who need basic services. So we believe that let's go after and use the criminal justice apparatus to go after those organized rings. Those people who have substance abuse issues, let's address it at the precinct level. If they will partner with the social service provider, with deferred prosecution, and so they can get the services they need. If they're dealing with food insecurity, deferred prosecution, show them the availability to food. All right, here, actually, it's cut number four. He's right about that, some of these substance abusers. Here's where he talks about repeat offenders that are literally closing down chain stores in New York City. Not Christidis, thank God, right shop yesterday, but they are shutting them down. Mayor Eric Adams Lewis, cut number four. What we can't do is allow repeated offenders to make a mockery of our criminal justice system and repeatedly. We're losing chain stores that are closing down. People who are being employed in those stores are losing their jobs. They're adding to our unemployment. So people who state that we're criminalizing the poor that goes after people who are repeated offenders, they're wrong. We're going after and criminalizing the poor when poor and low-income New Yorkers are being unemployed because we're losing those businesses in our city. We can't allow repeated offenders to make a mockery of the criminal justice system. So the mayor is always hesitant to name names. We know that already. Uh, even when Bernie was alive, we talk about go out there and shame and name and shame and call out Heasty and call out Stuart Cousins, who's a louse. But he goes and talks about the national and federal government all the time. The money for the asylum seekers. He's calling out Joe Biden when he does that, but he wouldn't say Joe Biden. This is the same thing with the governor. He's at the budget hearing yesterday, and he says it's unfair what New York City is being asked to contribute in Hochul's budget proposal. But God forbid he comes out there and says, Hochul's killing me. In fact, in fact, and this annoys the hell out of me, I've told Eric this, he compliments Hochul at every opportunity, and she's the most corrupt and worst governor in the history of our state. So listen, I can be friends with somebody, and I am. I can want somebody to succeed, and I do. But I can be critical, unlike the Trump supporter. And Eric Adams has some work to do. Here he talks about how it's unfair to New York City what Hochul is proposing. I wish you would have crushed Hochul. He talked more about New York City, cut number three. We are being told to add a half a billion dollars onto our budget uh, for inter- eternity. That is just unfair. No other municipality is being asked to do this. So the charter school issue came up yesterday. And the thought was, based upon things that Eric Adams has said in the past, that he was for charter schools, which, by the way, Kathy Hochul is for charter schools. But it was so confusing yesterday, Eric Adams almost sounded like he wasn't. You you, you just couldn't tell. You just couldn't tell. He talked about a billion dollars added to the budget, which, of course, is not true because, first of all, it may take a decade 
to open up all these charter schools that Hochul is proposing. They've got space inside some of these schools right now because 20% of the kids are no longer there. So I'm not sure where he got a billion dollars from. But for a guy that's been pro-charter school for a long time, you couldn't tell that yesterday, and that's another frustration on pro-charter that I have with Eric and others do as well. Eric Adams, cut number five. I clearly talked about what's called zombie, zombie charters, uh, that these charters that are open, sitting there, there's no reason we're not filling them. We already allocated those numbers. There's no reason we're not. That comes with a cost, and the state should assist in that cost. That's fine. I don't know what the cost is, but seems like uh, a lot of folks, Republicans and Democrats, feel like those numbers are ballooning, and it's an excuse not to get something done, which needs to get done. One more report yesterday on Channel 4 locally, NBC, Eric Adams, talking about uh, working from home. You know, not that long ago he said, hey, get out of your pajamas and come to work. And now it seems like he's going the other way, and maybe remote work is better than no work. This is courtesy of Channel 4 in New York, NBC. The state of working from home, which does include sound from both the mayor and the governor, cut number six. New hope for New York City employees who want to keep working from home. Mayor Adams seems to be keeping the door open slightly on some kind of hybrid plan. Now, this comes months after the mayor told city employees they need to come back to the office every day. Let's find out more what's going on here. News 4's Andrew Sith is live in Midtown. Andrew? David, what appears to be going on is a recognition by City Hall that they can't simply dictate that people come back to the office five days a week, not when employees are saying they want flexibility. And those that make the decisions are now recognizing that applies as well to government jobs. Here's Mayor Eric Adams in February of last year. One thing that can't happen, you can't stay home in your pajamas all day. That is not who we are as a city. And here's Mayor Adams this week. We're saying to our agencies, come up with creative ways of having flexibility. I think the mayor is getting the message that the world has changed. Catherine Wilde of the pro-business partnership for New York City said the numbers tell the story. Fewer than 10% of office workers in this city are back in the office five days a week. It's become a post-pandemic reality. Workers are looking for flexible Fridays, Mondays, and sometimes more. You see it on the streets. You see it. The streets are not as full as they used to be. But some worry that the hybrid shift has taken a psychological toll. I think it's really bad for their mental health. I think people are increasingly isolated, and I think we're losing our connectedness, and I think it's really important that people go back to the office. Governor Hochul, after presenting a state check to the garment district to help the local economy, said a more robust office pattern could still arrive down the line. But for now, unless an employer offers a work-from-home option, and that includes City Hall, the job vacancies may not be filled. I believe all this is transitional. It does not have to be uh, the death sentence on five days a week work in our city ever again. It's just simply saying we're not quite there yet. Bill O'Reilly's morning message. And, of course, his every Thursday appearance, he's terrific. Judge Andrew Napolitano, all to come your way right here on the number one show news talk in New York City, sitting friends in the morning. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. 
On this Thursday, I am working hard on my next book, Killing the Witches, The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. And just this week, both Roseanne Barr and J.K. Rowling, the Harry Potter author, referenced witch hunts. So did former President Trump while speaking about the January 6th situation. Ms. Barr lost her ABC show after crudely attacking Valerie Jarrett, advisor to President Obama. After that, Roseanne could not find work for years. Ms. Rowling made some comments about traditional gender being important that angered the trans mob and its woke supporters. Unlike Roseanne, the author's contract remained and the book sales did not plummet. However, she was viciously attacked on social media and ostracized in many quarters. Today's witch hunt scenario is engineered almost exclusively by leftist zealots who live for virtue signaling. They use the threat of banishment to inhibit speech they don't like. Roseanne Barr made a major mistake for which she has apologized. In spite of that, the woke movement has handed her a life sentence. While current fascist behavior by the left is far short of the actual murders that took place in Salem, it is still cruel and unusual punishment. But the cast, the first stone crew, remains unrepentant. They are a brutal force for bad in this country, and few have the courage to take them on. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two-thirds say they don't. Read the polls, Jack. Uh, Biden always yelling at Jack. Who's Jack? Because it's, Jack. it's tough, Jack. What it's up, tough Jack? Game. Tough, Jack. May have to play this like four times today because. And this is very early in the morning, and kids are on the way to school, so lower the radio right now. When you play this, I get an erection. I don't even need Viagra or uh, <laughs> Cialis. I take them both sometimes. This is a... Um, That's for you, Jack. For you, Jack. This is a Jack thing. <laughs> this is a montage I found yesterday. We'll get to the Judge Napolitano coming up. I found this montage yesterday on Instagram. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram. Oh, I'd rather you didn't, to be honest, because you're stupid. But at Rosenberg.Sydney, anyway. At Rosenberg.Sydney. 
So there's, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> you can follow me. I just for oh, free, idiots. <laughs> so uh, yesterday, Corinne Jean Pierre said that the president Joe Biden is a quote, and I'm quoting her now, a great communicator. She said that. Oh yeah, she did. So yesterday, Lewis Lurafino, because he's a genius, he's got a whole library of Biden gaffes. It was very funny, very funny. Well, this is uh, tight put together in a montage on Instagram. And it's worth playing and worth listening. The great communicator, you be the judge. This is Montage Lewis, cut number 15. The president is the best communicator that we have in the White House. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to... Uh, from from, uh, uh, Char- excuse me, from Charlotte... One, another line going from in Florida down to Tampa. Of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. <laughs> America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Oh, good. I was going to put him in. <laughs> the idea that. Um, Los Angeles and. Uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? <laughs> For two reasons. One, to... <laughs> we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is... Let uh, me um, say another way. It's a nature, not a solid meeting with, um, with uh, the... Uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers. The, um... <laughs> I love it when he just gives up halfway through he starts. Well, the thing is, uh, you go there and then, uh, well... Uh... Anyway, I think Kareem John Pierre is on to something. You're right; he does that, but he just gives up. He just like halfway through, he's like, "You know, as well, might as well start a new sentence." <laughs> it's like it doesn't hurt to start a new one. The last one didn't work it's out. It's like too when well. your car runs out of gas; it it's just comes right, on the right, right in the middle, just runs out of gas. Engine just stops in his brain; it's <laughs> just pumping out gas. Ay, ay, ay. You don't know what it feels like, Jack. Uh, That's right. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. on your Thursday morning. You know, I'm wearing a uh, Vince sweater today. No sport jacket. No Joe Abood. No garage. Anthony's place in Brooklyn. A Vince sweatshirt. And even Bo Deedle 
he won't uh, admit this, but man, I look jacked. Like I did in the um, screening, Gemini Lounge. Oh, there it is. It took almost an hour and 43 minutes, but Sid's talking about himself again. Which is, I guess, to some of our listeners, that's a crime in radio. Even though that's what radio is, mind you. But we do take some things seriously. have some great guests, discuss the major topics. And my next guest is one of those guys. He's on this time every Thursday morning because he's great, long-career radio, TV, great judge as well. Judge Andrew Napolitano, his new column is out. We'll get to it, War and Indifference. So here he is for his Thursday rendezvous, my friend, the judge. Good morning, judge. Uh, Good morning, Sid. How are you? You know, I think radio listeners like when the host talks about himself. They really want to know what's on your What's on I mean, listen, listen, of course, you look at the guys that have had immense success in this business, the Howard Stearns, the Don Imuses, the Bob Grants. It wasn't about pushing their political agenda, telling I tell folks, if you want straight news, go put on 1010 wins or whatever it is. If you want, you know, put on Fox News. But the guys that are great in this business, they don't spend four hours a morning talking about news and politics. They do right. exactly they- what I do. And like you, they don't hold back. They say what's on their mind. <laughs> right. I also I also commend you, and I've done this before. I got to say it again because I know you take a lot of heat for this, for your <clears throat> friendship with the mayor and your willingness to make his statements credible, reasonable, and to give him a fair shot. He has arguably the second most difficult job in the world. Uh, And he needs people who are willing to give him an outlet. And you do that. And conservative Republicans who love you need to know that we only have one mayor. He happens to be a liberal Democrat, but he's the mayor of everybody. And he needs to be given some understanding. And that's what you give him. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm not even sure he's a liberal Democrat. I think he's closer to a Republican than people think. But thank you for that, Judge. And it's funny because you were on last Thursday. That's the last time we spoke. The very next morning, last Friday, some creep. In the New York Daily News, Chris something or other wrote this whole story how a pro-Trump radio host, and that's me, I am pro-Trump, is uh, chummy with Eric Adams and how Democrats across the city are furious with the mayor, which he did confirm. There are some that have called him and said, what are you doing hanging out with that guy, Sid? But he told them, go up yourself. I'm sorry, but I like the guy. He cares about this city. We may have some differences, but at the end of the day, Sid Rosenberg and Mayor Eric Adams both want this city to thrive. Therefore, like you talked about, our meetings, our dinners, it's all good. I think I told you that one of the smartest people I've ever known, certainly the smartest person I ever worked for, was Roger Ailes. Now, you ask uh, my my buddies from Fox, ask O'Reilly, ask Brian Kilmeade, I'm sure they'll agree. And Ailes used to pound into us. You have to have friends on the other side of the aisle. You attack the message, not the messenger. You never know when you're going to need your friends on the other side of the aisle. And conservative Republicans, just like liberal Democrats, need to understand that. Agreed. The next time time I'm having uh, dinner with Rachel Maddow, I expect you not to criticize me. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, you having dinner with Rachel Maddow, you know, people don't realize this. I said this to you before. Sean Hannity talks to Al Sharpton more than people know. Mark Levin talks to Stephen A. Smith more than people know. This idea that all your conservative heroes on Fox News completely discount the other side is factually 1,000% untrue. How do I know? I'm on the inside. 
correct. Now, Al Sharpton and I actually did a program together involving prisoner reentry. It's, a, it's an area where libertarians like me who think there are too many people in jail and big-hearted liberals like Al who think that people in jail need to get a second chance can agree. We did this program somewhere in Jersey City. Jim McGreevy, the former governor of New Jersey, put it together. They had 500 seats there. 1,500 people showed up, and it was on the front pages of all the all the newspapers. What is a guy from Fox doing sitting down <laughs> without Sharpton? Well, right. by the end of the hour and a half, they understood why and they appreciated what we did. And, and Al and I have been friends ever since. I want to read you these uh, two tweets. And good for you, by the way, George, and thank you for those kind words. I want to read you these uh, two tweets. One goes, I continue to be concerned about the impacts of the Feb 3 train derailment near East Palestine, Ohio, and the effects on families in the 10 days since their lives were upended through no fault of their own. It's important that families have access to useful and accurate information. USDOT has been supporting the investigation led by the National Transportation Safety Board. Our Federal Rail Administration and Pipelines and Hazardous Materials teams were on site within hours of the initial incident and continue to be active engaged. You want to take a guess to those two tweets for Senpai? No. I mean, I have no idea. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. It's the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg. Now, this story has been out there for uh, about 10 days. There are fish dying. There are people in those Ohio towns scared to death that they're going to die next like the fish. And all I've got so far is two tweets from the Transportation Secretary, uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And by the way, they met yesterday on Capitol Hill about all those uh, flight issues you know, a JetBlue and Southwest going back to Christmas Day. He hasn't commented on that either. So while the Democrats put this guy out there because he's gay and he speaks nicely about a possible presidential candidate, these are two major transportation stories, and you can't find Pete Buttigieg anywhere. Agreed. Agreed. The Transportation Department stinks in plain English. It's it's a, a heavily burdened, top-heavy bureaucracy with more people at the top than people uh, on the ground. I often think that if the uh, airlines were regulated by private entities which competed with each other, you know, the government has no competition. And when it is in the business of delivering services, it doesn't care if those services suck because it's not going to lose its income, taxpayers, tax dollars. It's not going to lose its clientele, the people that fly on the planes and take the trains and live in these neighborhoods. It really doesn't care. But if it had competition, if one company ran the airport at, at JFK and another company ran the airport at LAX uh, or Newark, the, the product would get better and the cost would get cheaper. As for Buttigieg, uh, you're right. He does speak nice, but either he doesn't understand his job or he doesn't want to do his job or he doesn't have the tools uh, to do his job. Two days ago at um, Governor DeWine's press conference in the back of the uh, room in which the press conference was held, uh, an African-American, a young African-American articulate uh, reporter for News Nation, one of the news, new news networks that has a lot of my former Fox colleagues. Oh, there. including my, uh, my, my friend who threatened me with physical violence not that long ago, Chris Cuomo. He's on that station. Yes, yes, yes. Don't, don't bring me in the middle of that. I knew this was going to happen. You're both my friends. Yeah, I love I you both. Oh, thank you. <laughs> they arrested this guy, put him on his belly, handcuffed him behind his back, and the charge was resisting arrest. Now, you can't be arrested for resisting arrest. That has to be an underlying crime. 
Right. Basically, the powers that be didn't like the reporting that he was given. The next day, the attorney general of Ohio dismissed the charges against him, issued a public apology, and say it'll never happen again. So the government has failed in East Palestine, Ohio, local, state, and federal. And when a reporter had the courage to point that out, they locked him up. <laughs> wow. Unfortunately, the AG of Ohio saw, saw right through uh, all of this. Those poor people are suffering. And they're suffering because they put their faith in a government that has broken down and can't deliver the goods. This is why he's on every Thursday, the great Judge Andrew Napolitano. Great piece of information right there. Thank you, Judge. Now, the Trump loyalist, guys like Andrew Giuliani, he's on this show once or twice a week, you know. Uh, he doesn't like Nikki Haley because things went bad between Trump and Haley. I mean, he'll give you a thousand reasons. Well, she left too early, all this stuff. What it comes down to is if Trump doesn't like somebody, they don't either. I don't practice that, okay? I look at Nikki Haley as, as a candidate. What can she do? What can she do? She had a good rally in South Carolina yesterday. Spoke about all the things we want to hear, right? Stopping drugs, illegal immigration, pro-police, all the things we want to hear. My question to you is simple. Nikki Haley, worthwhile candidate? I absolutely a worthwhile candidate. I was once at uh, LaGuardia Airport waiting to take a, a shuttle flight from uh, LaGuardia down to Reagan. And she saw me. She said, come with me. And I was on her private. Well, it wasn't hers. It was the private jet that the, the ambassador to the U.N. gets. Right. So we sat next to each other for maybe an hour and 15 minutes and chatted about everything under the sun. We had known each other from uh, Fox. She's a very smart, very intelligent, very charming person who gets it who understands the limited role of the federal government in our lives. I'm not saying that she's my candidate. I'm saying she is a serious candidate that people should listen to. And I wish that Trump, and I know he's listening because he loves you, Sid. I wish that oh, Trump thanks. would debate these people, whether it's Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Chris Christie or whoever it's going to be, on the issues and not on their personalities and their personal lives, because that opens up a can of worms that Trump can't compete in, and it's not what the public wants to hear. They're sick and tired of hearing it. They want to hear arguments on the merits. And for Trump lovers to say, don't even listen to her, is wrong. She has a serious message to deliver. She's a brilliant, articulate woman, and but this is not a feminist message. This is a limited government maximum uh, individual liberty, strong national defense message, which should appeal to Republicans and is certainly worth even Trump people considering. Final 60 seconds. I know we're entering month 12 of this Ukraine-Russia war conflict, whatever you want to call it, your column, which is great. I read them every week. The great war and indifference uh, puts an emphasis on the Ukraine-Russia war, but also with the White House. Talk about your latest column. The worst decision that uh, Joe Biden made, I was laughing like hell 10 minutes ago when uh, your producers were playing that clip of Joe. You can't get the sentence out of his mouth, the poor guy. You know, I knew him when we were law professors together. I think I've told you this story. I won't go through it in detail. But my argument today is blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline is the first time in the history of the CIA, which goes back to 1947, that an American president used CIA assets and military assets to attack an ally, causing Germany $10 billion in damage just to repair the pipeline. 
and countless billions in damage to their economy. You don't hear a peep out of Germany. You don't hear a peep out of the mainstream media because the great Cy Hirsch, another example of what we're talking about, whether you like size politics or not, he has three sources for every argument he makes, exposed what the government did. They attacked an ally, they attacked Russia, and they lied about it. And the only person who told the truth about this was Vladimir Putin himself when he said, why would we blow up our own pipeline? It must have been the Americans. And it turns out it was, and Joe Biden ordered that. And it's, it's the beginning of World War III if we can just yeah. attack the assets of our allies and our putative enemies. It's wrong. It's criminal. Yep. It's a war crime. I agree. Uh, it's a great column, folks. Check it out. War and Indifference. He is the great Judge Andrew Napolitano on 740 every Thursday morning. And another great appearance, Judge. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll do it again next here, week, buddy. Here comes the Murray Hill Diner. <laughs> I may be there later on today. I'm actually working out at the New York Sports Club on 34th and Lexington. I may be there. And Villa Barulia later on tonight. Who knows? Judge Napolitano, it's always great job. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way, which includes Noam Layton, his nugget, and Bill O'Reilly, and then two great guests in the 9 o'clock hour, Paul Deedle and Joseph Takapina. This is the Thursday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I learned the uh, horrible news last night that the lead singer Simon LeBon passed away, but it turns out that wasn't true, and I didn't really see that anywhere. I was looking for an excuse to play Duran Duran all day, and my um, my team thinks that that's uh, very insensitive and and horrible what I did, but they keep they keep playing Duran Duran. So no, wait, I see. I, uh, no, well, Phil has something. He actually, yeah, no, I'm seeing it online. Actually, you're right. He did die. <laughs> He's an idiot. No, this is true. What there happened? Two cabs on uh, second half went 90 miles per hour head on and exploded. <laughs> That's not true. He was he was the only casualty. <laughs> he was actually the driver of <laughs> both the cabs. No, Phil, he's okay. Phil can have the entire audience hating him by the end uh, of the week. You know, this is, a, this is a banner week for Macedonia, <laughs> Phil, already. The, the fall, the rise and fall. Duran Duran fans, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> well, Americans covers most of it. Right, I guess. This was one of the three songs that Duran Duran did, Times Square, New Year's Eve, Rio. I think they did, oh, Hungry Like the Wolf they did. you got to love that one. 
and maybe Ordinary Row, but I forget. Anyway, it is uh, 8.07 on your Thursday morning, back here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America, and it is. That's me, that's us, sitting friends in the morning. Had a, a great hour last hour at Judge Napolitano. Big hour coming up, Gnome's Nuggets with Gnome Layden, and, of course, the highlight of the week, Bill O'Reilly. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, we'll talk to both Bo Deedle. He's live in studio every Thursday now. And uh, Joseph Takapina. He's got a lot to say, a friend of mine, for 43 years. We did start the show this morning with the Chris Cuomo news yesterday. I guess we'll do it again here. And then we'll get to Whoopi Goldberg. She is such a hateful wench. I mean, I, I, I used to love Whoopi. I love the movie Ghost. I love it. I cry every time Demi Moore does the pottery, the pottery scene, you know. And it's such a great movie. Patrick Swayze and Whoopi is great in that. She was great in Sister Act. She was horrible in those HBO comedy specials with Robin Williams. Who was the third one? Oh, was it Billy Crystal? Billy Crystal, yeah. Awful. But I've always liked Whoopi. And then she hopped on The View, and it turns out she's a racist, an anti-Semite. None of this is alleged. I'm telling you it's a fact. A racist, an anti-Semite, and the worst of all, a dummy. That's Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's not just going to be Simon LeBond. <laughs> yeah. Let me just play the Whoopi stuff now. I may as well. Then I'll get to Chris Cuomo. So she was talking about uh, my friend Nikki Haley. And I call her my friend. We've never met or spoken once. But she's running for president. She's a Republican, so we're friends. And Whoopi is talking about Nikki running for office and some of the things Nikki said at her rally yesterday in South Carolina. Here's Whoopi Goldberg, courtesy of The View and ABC. You know, since you have been asleep all this time and you just woke up, (laughs) you're just finding out that there are things about our country that are not perfect. And for us to pretend that it is and that nothing happened is ridiculous. So you're not saying anything new. And you of all people should know better because you used to actually have some sanity and knew right from wrong. Yes. And then you lost your mind and and went in some new direction. You hear this? You lost your mind because she disagrees with Whoopi, went in a new direction, the right direction. Right, figuratively and literally. So that's Whoopi. But I do want to get to the uh, the Cuomo stuff. You folks know, of course, that uh, not that long ago, I bumped into Chris Cuomo on the streets. Had never met him. Never spoke to Chris. Despite Cindy Adams calling us friends in her New York Post column. I met him for the first time right before New Year's Eve. When my family was staying at the UN Hilton. After, of course, the issues with my house. And being that I'm a, um, I admit it, I'm a jock sniffer, starstruck guy. Even though I'm a men's star, huge star, I still suffer from that. So even though I don't like him and I despise his brother, lowlife Andrew, lowlife, I took a picture. I exchanged pleasantries. <coughs> we even exchanged our cell phone numbers and said to each other, we'll go, go on each other's shows, you know. I'll go on his show that nobody watches, and he'll go on my show, which everybody listens to. God damn it, I'm choking here, Bill. Will you help me? I'm sorry, I'm coming in with, uh, I don't know what to come Water in. or something, <laughs> Jesus. Napkins. Hydrogen <laughs> peroxide. So, well, thank you. There's Justin to that. Why don't I ask Phil? Justin, is, he's the only one that cares about me. I can't ask Phil for anything, bro. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so we, we exchanged numbers. <laughs> so the next Are day. <laughs> I'm fine now. The next day, I get a text from Chris Cuomo, and it says, this is unprovoked, Happy New Year. I'm like, wow. Okay. 
So I took that as, all right, it's all good. So about two weeks after that, I send Cuomo a text, and I say, hey, listen, why don't you come on tomorrow? Now, you have to understand, I went to my team and talked to them first because I know a lot of you folks in the listening audience, you have no patience, and uh, you're like, well, why would you bring him on? Because I want to. I don't ask you what to do with this show. The show is number one, continues to be number one. I don't ask you. I don't care what anybody else thinks, anybody. But I did ask my team. And every one of them to a man said, you got to bring him on. Talk about his brother. Find out why they yucked it up on CNN when people were dying at an alarming rate. 18,000 elderly dead from Andrew Cuomo's policies. you got to bring him on. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I sent Chris a text. And all those pleasantries from Happy New Year to meeting on the street were out the window with one response. When he said, and I quote, you know, it came back to me. You're the guy that talks crap about my brother. Yeah, I am. You're lucky I didn't put my hands around your neck and strangle you. Basically, that was, that was the quote. And I'm like, no, actually, Chris, you're kind of lucky. And, you know, that's how it goes. Queens guy, Brooklyn guy, two tough guys. And the exchange lasted for three days. Not three tanks, not three minutes, three hours, three days. And then it went away. And I couldn't figure out why all of a sudden he was so enthusiastic. We're going to put together a fight, and your boss, John Katsimatidis, is going to put up a million dollars, and we're going to fight for charity. This guy's a psycho, a nut. It went away. People said, well, his brother must have gotten to him, or News Nation. Somebody got to Chris, and he just went dark. I've still not heard from Chris to this day. So after that, before yesterday's revelations, which may in fact explain why Cuomo was acting the way he did with me about a month ago. Brian Kilmeade, who's on after me every morning about a week ago, had Janice Dean on. If you don't know about Janice, Janice started her New York career working with me and Lou and Bernie and the whole crew at Imus. And as I said, back in the 6 o'clock hour, she wanted to kill herself more than once. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not being... You know, I'm not being uh, hyperbole here. It's not exact. She really wanted to kill herself. I should have recommended my doctor when I first got on the show, and maybe that would have helped her. Did you have a doctor, really? Uh, yeah, Simon LeBond used the same <laughs> No, I didn't have a doctor. No, but she really was. She would be hysterical crying. Yeah, and... well, it was only a few nucleus that really understood what was yeah. the abuse that would happen right, in the us. show. Right, us. Right. Yeah, and the, the, all the humans... Couldn't you know? Didn't want to deal with it, and I felt bad for her. So did she, I. She, but yeah, he was bad to her. She was great, but she survived, yeah. and she ended up getting a job at Fox News. Now she's a meteorologist, but more importantly, Janice has become the face of the anti Cuomo move. I'm part of that because both of her in laws, not just one, her mother in law and father in law, both died in a nursing home because of Andrew Cuomo's murderous. Policies. They were two of the 18,000, maybe more, who knows? So she's become that face. So she's on with Brian Kilmeade about a week ago. For some reason, Cuomo versus Rosenberg came up again, and the conversation went like this. The other thing is, Chris Cuomo mm-hmm. and going after Sid Rosenberg. Terrible. So to, Have you talked to Sid about this? I, that's all I do, we talk about this. <laughs> so. So, what a bully. He's just a bully. Chris no. Cuomo says, I hear you talking about bad about my brother. Do you want to fight for charity? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what was we, what's he talking about? Is he's well, gonna... he's, I'm, it's the only way he's going to get press. He's on that television station that has maybe five viewers. Right. So I guess he's trying to use his bullying tactics and his incredible muscle to 
go up against a beloved figure in New Who's York Radio. one in the morning. Yeah. Sid's hilarious. I love him so much. Right. I think he should do it because I think he'd punch him out. Right. But, I mean, should we at, at this age be... No, you're right. ...be fighting in the hallways? It's just like, how old are you, Chris Cuomo, with your stupid... You know... Do you remember when Tucker Carlson used like, yeah, like a video in a loop showing Chris, Chris Cuomo, Cuomo lifting his weights and thinking he's like a tough guy? That's all he thinks he is. That's all he's got. Right. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm. I'm just. <laughs> Would saying. you tune in? Would you pay for to see that? No, I don't. I don't want Sid to do it. I think because Sid's doing great. Why would he lower right, himself? Lower himself to that? Yeah, to do it. I mean, it's to me. If you're trying to establish yourself, you're stuck somewhere in Wyoming and Chris Cuomo calls you out and you think to yourself, oh, this could be my big break. Right. I'll come to New York and beat up a Cuomo. <laughs> but for Sid, he's riding high. I wouldn't he is, go, right, you know. exactly. But I think he should still talk about it because it's just yet another <laughs> example of those Cuomo brothers being bullies. Right. And that would be good. That would, that could. I would go and I would wear a weather bitch t-shirt. Because? Because Chris Cuomo apparently called me the weather bitch when I was going after his brother. Jeez. So Jennifer Harrison, who sat up with me yesterday, says, man, I wish we talked about this. Yesterday they killed my grandmother and aunt, too. Sorry, Jennifer. So where are we now? I haven't heard from Chris in weeks. That was an old conversation about a week ago between Kilmeade and Janice Dean. And now new revelations, thanks to an Anthony Scaramucci podcast, as to why... Chris acted the way he did with me weeks ago, and quite frankly, I'm lucky I'm alive. When you hear what Chris Cuomo, Chris Crazy Cuomo, said on Anthony Scaramucci's show yesterday, if you love me, you're going to be happy I'm alive. Play the tape, Lewis. I had to accept because I was going to kill everybody. Uh, including myself. Things can consume you. Italians are so passionate. And I really had to fight against that because... You know, just like you did, I got too many people counting on me. So he goes right to the Italian thing right away. Like Italians only, they're the only people, you know, I'm Jewish, and I've got just as much pent-up anger as Chris Cuomo does. And But as far as he's concerned, it's only the Italians, which is really stupid. And then, of course, he talks about how he wanted to kill everybody, including himself. And I would, I guess, I, I'd be categorized as Everybody and Phil, when you first saw that text exchange back and forth, you actually said, "Is this guy? Is he off the rails? Is he nuts?" Yeah, the drastic like turn of how he went from like, "Ha ha, yeah, sure, happy New Year," right? Yeah, to uh, I'm going to wring your neck out. (laughs) (laughs) Jarring. So this is the uh, the tweet he sent out after the New York Post put that quote, which all they really put out there was. I wanted to kill everybody, including myself. So Cuomo tweets this at Chris Cuomo. See the single quotes? That means characterization, not direct quote. The New York Post doing what it does. The truth? We all struggle. We all have to deal with upset and anger. I'm no different. That's the point. You get it. They twist it. And so it goes. Twist it? I wanted to kill everybody, including myself? I don't know what else happened. How could you twist that, Louis? He's Italian. It's an Italian. Oh, he's Italian. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Italian say that. Right. Italian. You know, we like sausage and mm. pepper, you know, <laughs> yeah. pasta and killing. We got two Italians back to back in the nine o'clock hour. Two very tough guys. Two guys that could kick Chris Cuomo's ass before I can. Bo Deedle and Joe Tacopina. I'm going to ask them if that's an Italian thing. What uh, Chris Cuomo said yesterday. It's an Italian thing. You know. 
Like, I know chicken parmesan's an Italian thing. Dad, I'm going to be home late. I, there's a whole dinner. i got to kill two people. And then, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll bring the bread. Ralph Napolitano is Italian. He's my good buddy up at um, Arthur Avenue and in Tony's. He says Chris Cuomo's a fake Italian tough guy who uses being Italian as an excuse for being a douchebag. He's the type of guy we made fun of. So, See, the problem is all of my friends kind of like him. Believe it or not, including people here, they kind of like Chris, so they're not uh, nearly as angry about him as I am. But now I'm not that angry. Now I feel badly for the guy because he's clearly going through some psychotic episode. Maybe he's through it now. I don't know. Able to talk about it with Anthony yesterday. Another Italian, Anthony Scaramucci. But uh, today it's more sympathy for Chris Cuomo than anger because he's clearly lost it. Have mercy on me, Paulie. Please. Yeah. I, 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 God, I, I, I want to help. Please. Please. I got nowhere to go. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Cindy Adams wrote this column. It was so great when all this first went down with me and Cuomo. And she's like, and Rosenberg's got friends everywhere, including Chris Cuomo. Friends. I met the guy once. Now, clearly, that was a, um, a strong three minutes. <laughs> but uh, not friends. Never came close to being friends, and things got ugly in a hurry, in a big hurry. Hey, uh, uh, what's your name, Phil? <laughs> the guy who won't save you. Yeah, he won't. Are you still choking? You all right? No, no, I'm fine. J.J. Reddick and Chris Russo, explain this to me. So both those guys are on the show on ESPN First Take. Right, I like that show. That's yeah. a Stephen A. Smith show. Yeah, he was on the show with them yesterday. Last week they had a Mike and the Mad Dog reunion on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same show. Yeah. Okay, now we know. That's all well, I Why do I have this right? audio on my... Like, 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 I've got Nancy Pelosi. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden gaffe montage. That makes sense. Biden speaking yesterday. Nikki Haley. Eric Adams. Chris Cuomo. Why Reddick? And I love dog. I'll play dog all day long. But why Reddick and dog? I, I just thought it was a funny exchange. You thought it was funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly, I think Chris, uh, I almost said Chris Cuomo. Chris Russo came out of that looking uh, a little a little dumb. A little stupid. What did you just say? A little dumb. No, I don't think he's dumb. Oh, what, I, what? I, I, I think J.J. Reddick definitely got the better of him in that exchange. Excuse me? But, uh, you're excused? What did you just say about my friend Chris Russo? Um, I, I think he didn't win that argument. You think you're winning this one with me? Is this an argument? It's about to be. No. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I, f- I feel... I'm going to give you 10 seconds Uh-oh. to take that back. Take what back? Or Fat Kevin Drosh will be in that chair tomorrow morning. Um, well, maybe take what back? Maybe you want to which, which part? Of, which part of what I said did you not like? That my friend Chris Russo got beat in some argument by this doofus out of Duke... J.J. Reddick. Well, you didn't even listen to it. How would you know? I'm going by what you're saying. I think J.J. Reddick uh, came out of the argument. Okay, fair enough. We've got uh, Noam Layden coming up next. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we just listen to it? (laughs) All right, then play it fine. What what are they talking about? Whether Larry Bird's a great three-point shooter? How does that become a a big story yesterday in 2023? The the headline, uh, you know, the bottom third was uh, who made a bigger impact uh, on their sport, Patrick Mahomes or Stephen Curry. Right. And I think the, the argument was talking about how uh, the greatest shooters of all time, the greatest yeah. three-point shooters yeah. of all time. Sure, sure. Now, now yeah. how do you know about this? You watch this? No. I, it this just, is swill. It was on Twitter. 
Uh-huh. All right, we'll play it then. Uh, let's see if he's right. My friend Chris Russo up against J.J. Reddick talking about Larry Bird, cut number 17. If you want doggy, it's just math. It's, it's attempts, it's makes, and it's percentage. And there's no way you could ever argue Larry Bird is a top three three-point shooter of all time. You just, you, you can't make that argument. You're, look, you're you basing it he's on one ma- of the, he's You're one basing of the best it on math in a time of when he played. I'm basing it on just shooting. Bird is a unbelievable. Again, we had this discussion the other day. We had this discussion the other day about James Naismith. James Naismith invented the game. You were rewarded for putting the ball in the basket. There's plenty of people that have shot more, made more, and guess what? Made more at a higher percentage than Larry Bird from three. I'm not saying Larry Bird is not one of the greatest shooters ever. He's not one of the greatest three-point shooters ever. You cannot make that argument. Because the 80s are so much different. There's physicality, the way they guarded people. You couldn't keep your Can we get I've been trying to make a point. Seriously, I've been trying to make a point for you, Doggy. Come on, man. I've been trying to make a point. Hold on, guys. I mean, I don't think that counts. You know what? You and I are going to sit down. You and I are going to sit down. We're going to sit there and we're going to watch finals games from the 1980s. I'm going to show you what physical basketball is versus physical fouling. You're watching them on YouTube. I saw the games. I watched the games at the time. Listen, I love a white guy who defends Larry Bird. We'll uh, we'll take a short break. Oh my God, I guess I, you guys were right. <laughs> yeah. What about Reggie Miller? Noam Layden is coming up next, and then Bill O'Reilly right here on the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Way to go, doggy. Radio 77 WABC. So, Hall and Oates, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, and Joseph Tacopina. That's quite the trio about to come your way. But I like this little segment we do. It's quick and it's great. It's Noam's Nuggets. Noam Layden, who, of course, does the news all morning long on this program, also hosts the early news as well. Good morning, Noam Layden. Good morning, Sydney. How are you, pal? I'm doing great. All right. You know, I had something prepared, like I always do for this segment. Yeah. But then I felt like I needed to share this story with you about my Valentine's Day conquest. You had a Valentine's Day conquest. I did. Yeah. You're married, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Did you tell her about it yet? <laughs> Not yet. No. Well, now she's in an She's going to find out right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I've been married. I got married three weeks after the 9-11 attacks. So how many years is that 23 now? years. 23 years I've been married. No, I stand corrected. 22 years. 22 years. It'll be 22 years, 9-11. Yeah. It's, it's easy to remember, right? That yeah, way, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So um, 
I said to myself, you know, like, I get her flowers for Valentine's Day, you know, and she's all right with that. Well, MJ's against that. Lewis's fiance. Against flowers? Yes. She says it's too expensive on that day. Buy them a couple days later. Oh, that's so funny. Nothing more romantic than getting Valentine's Day flowers two days after the holiday. I get that every year, too. It's like... When you don't expect it and it's a nice surprise. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll give you that. Okay. Yeah. Middle of the year. That's good. All right. Oh, look what everybody else got today. How great. Just because you know you have to. Right. That's better. That's much better. I get the speech, you know, don't get me anything this year. But right. every year, of course, I do because I'm not a dope. I'm not going to fall for that. Right. And then that, that is exactly what they want you to do. They tell you not to get it, meaning they want you to get it. Right. And if you don't get it, you'll hear about it for 365 days. Uh, I made that mistake one Mother's Day. I didn't get her something for Mother's Day. And I said, well, you're not my mother. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. That didn't go well. So this year I said, I'm going to be that guy, right? So I have this one friend who does this thing. He likes to dress up his wife in things that he finds sexy. What? Yes. And she just plays along? Well, so I said, I'm going to be this guy. I'm going to try to be this guy. I want to do something different this year because, you know, I'm hoping I'm, I've been married for a long time. You, sure. want, you want a little action but, once but in a I while, right? But I can't see your wife is, is that submissive. I doubt it. She's a Jewish girl from Jersey. She's got to be a complete pain in the ass. She's actually from Long Island, but yeah. Okay. Even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I say, I'm going to be that guy this year because I've never been that guy in my life. No. So I walk down to Macy's at Herald Square. Mm-hmm. I take the elevator up six stories to the lingerie department. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I go and I say, okay, what do I think she'll look? I find my wife very sexy. So, right. I say, what is she going to look amazing sure. at? Sure. Right? Did you try it on to see if it looked I, good on of her? Of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But he was home already. <laughs> yeah. What color was this? White, pink, it black? It was black. Because I, right. I, that's, I, that's what I want, something that I like. Right? Sure. It says black. So it is like one of these things that had like a little, just a tiny little string over the shoulder, you know? But it was going to show a lot of boobage. Sure. Right? You know what I mean? Does she have big boobs? She does. Or? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, this is just so gross. I can't even. <laughs> so you get a, a black nighty so yes. she can show her big boobs. Yeah. So and this is, all, have... this is all, by the way, in, in the words of romance. Uh, I don't know. It, it is. And no. the strategy is, is if I just hand it to her, she's going to go, okay, great. And she's going to put it down. So sure. I need to come up with a plan that I can get her to put it on. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So on. This is where you take a, uh, a pitcher, right, right, of water and you start to make iced tea. Because they make them in these little, you know, little jars. Right. You have to add the iced tea to the water, and you slip on something in the kitchen. Right. And the water hits her everywhere from head to toe, and she's got no choice but to undress. <laughs> right. And boom, right. look what's sitting right there <laughs> right. on the countertop next to her, See? this black, filthy piece of lingerie. What, did, I, you, what did you write for Hustler Magazine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get that whole scenario. All this stuff. Did you try that? <laughs> Yes, of course I you did. <laughs> did it okay, work? Honey, a little to the Every left time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, action! That's why I buy Crystal Light iced tea. I can care less about it. Right, it's, it tastes like crap, so I might as well throw it on my wife. Right? <laughs> so I take this and I, put, I hide it in the house because I'm like, okay, I have to do something so she just doesn't go, okay, and put it on the counter. So on Tuesday, like middle of the day, I'm like, I have this whole plan. I say, okay. I call her. I say, hey, I got you a Valentine's Day present. Of course, I got the reaction. Yeah, you don't need to do that. I said, oh, but I hit it. Right? So now she's getting a little excited. Like the Alfie Coleman. Yeah, like the Alfie Coleman. So she's like, really? So I send her on this, you know, trail to find it. And she finds it. And she goes, wow, this is really nice. So now I think I'm going to show up at home on Valentine's Eve. And she's going to be wearing this lingerie. At the door. At the door. Sure. Right. Right. So the rest of the day, you know, it was like a hectic day. Things have been crazy here. Get on the bus, go home, 
open the door in Jersey City. Dog, of course, is at the front door yeah. <laughs> looking at me. Right? Don't tell me the dog was wearing it. I smell a <laughs> dinner being made, so I'm like, oh, okay. Nice. That's okay. it. Yeah. Just getting dinner, you know? And there she is, top of the stairs, wearing the lingerie. This is not you. Yeah. Any of this. She it wore is. it? Yeah. No kidding. Yes. So wow. I had to share that with you because it works. I didn't think it would ever work wow. in a million years, but it worked. Now, do you have a photo of this for the Sid and Friends Instagram page? Yes, I'm going to put it up in momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> she wore it. Yes. Congratulations. Job well done. The biggest takeaway I have from this is now I know why Noam has been asking me if I want iced tea every single day this week so far. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> All right. That's a great story. This is why Noam's Nuggets has become a must-listen. 825 every morning on this show. Terrific job. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Think of the movie Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler when I hear this song. You too, right, Macedonia? Bill, you're shaking your head. We all know that Bill O'Reilly loves the Beach Boys. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. Whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights right here on WABC or his own website, BillOReilly.com. Great interviews, great TV show, great columns. Last year, toured the country with President Donald Trump. Has the Killing series. Killing the Witches is uh, going to be the new book. Killing the Legends is still doing very, very well. And, of course, everybody knows the biggest ratings I get all week long is this time every Thursday with the great Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. How are you, buddy? I can't sing that Beach Boys song anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? <laughs> no. 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 Uh, that- they also used that song in a movie, Shampoo. Remember that? Oh, I... Beatty I, riding around with the little hair yes. dryer on his motorcycle. Wasn't that actually uh, a Broadway show they made into a movie? Yes? I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was Goldie Hawn and Julie Christie and Warren yes. out in L.A. I do remember seeing that when I was like six years old. Oh, yes. It was a big deal. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff we can get to today. You know, I'm always fascinated by some of these presidential candidates. For example, uh, who jumps in this week? Nikki Haley, okay? And a smart girl, no doubt about it, on the right side of things, did a very good job as governor in South Carolina. And maybe I'm wrong here, that's why you're here, but she has no chance. Like Donald Trump st- said yesterday, off to a great start at 1%. But somebody said to me, but Sid, you got to understand, above and beyond losing the race, there's money to be made here. There are other things that these people enjoy, even though they really have no chance of winning the race. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. I mean, so a woman like Nikki Haley, who you accurately pointed out is accomplished, um, is not well known across the country. Maybe the name in Republican circles, but they don't really know who she is or what she's done or any of that. She can't raise enough money to uh, put herself in the forefront of the country. She can't buy television spots. She can't do any of that. What you can do is uh, get her name out there, particularly if there are debates coming up, and there should be, 
um, next fall and go for next time or maybe a VP nod if DeSantis were to get the nomination. Trump would never put her on a second. Um, so in addition, she just uh, had a book out. It did not do well, did not do well, didn't sell much at all. So she's trying to commercialize herself a bit. And, you know, she'll be around, um, but she doesn't have much of a chance. No chance. So on the other side, we're trying to figure out who can run as a Democrat. I mean, Biden is just, it's not going to happen. Whether he runs or not, he can't win. So Pete Buttigieg is a name we keep hearing, even though he was a failed mayor in South Bend. And really, you talk about a bad week, Bill, between the hearings yesterday about all the flight issues back on Christmas, what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio, where fish are dying, and people are worried about uh, toxins in the air after the train derailment. And all this guy done is send out two tweets. I mean, what a brutal week for Pete Buttigieg, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've said from the beginning, I don't know if he was a failed mayor in South Bend, Indiana. I don't know that. Do you have data on that? Well, yeah. I mean, I know that the police department, for example, had huge issues with them. The crime. But he's basically a liberal guy. I don't know if he screwed up South Bend. Maybe he did. Okay. Maybe as soon as he got elected, Notre Dame lost to Tulane. (laughs) I don't know. But I do know he's a disaster as a secretary of transportation. The guy is just, he's so disengaged from the airline meltdown. I mean, he doesn't, well, we're going to do so. What? What are you going to do? You haven't done a thing. You didn't find anybody. You didn't uh, demand that the airlines uh, change their scheduling if they don't have enough pilots to fly the planes. Um, you have done nothing. And then with East Palestine, I mean, this is Department of Transportation. Do you see him out there? No. No. Has he been there? No. I mean, put on a gas mask and go on there, Pete. In the meantime, he's running around and he wants uh, uh, maternity leave and and he wants to tell people that highways are racist. I mean, this guy, I'm sitting there going, if he runs, that would be the biggest gift the Republican Party has ever received. (laughs) So if he doesn't and uh, Biden doesn't, what are we down to? I mean, Kamala and no. uh, Gavin Newsom, what are we down to? You're down to Newsom and maybe Amy Klobuchar, remember that name? Aye, aye, aye. Senator from Minnesota, runs as a moderate. Um, and then maybe a couple of governors might step in. Um, but it's a weak feel, which is why they still don't know what to do about Joe Biden. There's an article out this week, uh, Mark Penn a good pollster, Democrat, but honest guy. I've had him on a bunch of times. He says there's absolutely no way that Biden can run, which is what I've been saying for a year, because he just can't campaign. He can't go out there, you know, physically he can't do it. Um, he, he wouldn't even do an interview with Fox Soul. Fox Soul? I didn't even, I worked for Fox 128. I didn't even know there was a Fox Soul. I mean, I sang a couple of Four top songs when I was there. Yeah. Maybe that was Fox Soul. What's Fox Soul? I don't know. I, I, I mean, and he didn't even, he couldn't even pull that one off. So he can't campaign. He can't debate. He's, he's doing a terrible job. I mean, anybody who has any objectivity knows that. But the Democrats still haven't, you know, whispered in his ear like Feinstein, Diane Feinstein, the senator of California. Did you see that clip? No, I didn't. So, 
her staff puts out that she retired, okay, that she's retiring from the Senate. Her staff puts it out. And then she goes, no, I'm not. <laughs> who, who said that? And her staff member goes, well, we, Senator, we put out that you're retiring. She goes, I didn't know. Oh, it's on God. tape. It's on tape. Oh, no. I didn't know I was retiring. I mean, okay. And she's uh, Biden's soulmate. Yep. I mean, they're, they're both, you know, into the sunset here. Um, so the Democrats don't have anybody right now. <laughs> um, they're desperately looking around. Newsom is further left than Biden. Right. But he has the money and the hair gel. Oh, he, he is handsome, and he was married to Kimberly Guilfoyle. He's got that going for him. Uh, I do want to talk about Biden when it comes to this Chinese balloon issue. Yes. I've been bringing on Gordon Chang like once a week, Bill. he's First of all, he's great. He knows all these issues, China, Russia, North Korea. He's great with that. But the reason why I bring him on is there's nobody more alarming than Gordon. He's like, we're all going to die. The Chinese are coming to get us. It's going to happen. The attacks on Taiwan and Japan are imminent. Eventually, it's going to be the United States. If we don't wake up soon and do something, we're all going to die. Now, of course, I'm exaggerating just a bit, but that is basically the tone of our conversations. Yeah, you know, I, and, and in the morning when people get up, that's what they want to hear, Sid. Well, you I'd know, say, I'd say, ben, die. you better get your takeout Chinese now because, you know, the radiation is going to swell up your tongue. You're not going to be able to eat it. Right. So, and, and it's good, like 730, you know. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. That. Yeah, but no, but but, but, it, but is he right? Is he is he? Well, he, China's a threat. I mean, you know, the only winner in this balloon thing is the Fifth Dimension. <laughs> uh, their song, you know, wouldn't you like to ride my beautiful balloon? I love that song. An excellent tune, yes. Marilyn McCoo. I loved her. Um, but sure, but Gordon Chang goes. Well, we got to do something. Okay, Gordon, I mean, what do you want to do? Nuke them? I mean, you want to send more balloons over? Yeah. You know, Biden thought the balloon thing was Valentine's Day. He got a little <laughs> package with balloons on it. It took him two days to talk him out of it. No, no, I always get balloons on Valentine's Day. Um, so, you know, when I hear these people, ah, I got to do something. Well, what exactly would that be? Um, so you really have to be nimble in this world. You have to say... Recognize the threat. I think every American recognizes the threat now. Maybe not Disney, but everybody else. And you have to play hardball when there is an issue. Um, you can't let the balloon float from Alaska to South Carolina. That wasn't good. Right. Okay. You got to send a message to the Chinese. If you, you know, keep it up, it's going to be bad for you. Donald Trump. Uh, it's been said, at least, these things happened when he was president, too. These balloons were everywhere. No one's been able to confirm that. Donald Trump's people deny that. So when you say, what could we do, Donald Trump would just say, well, here's what's great. If I was still president or if I went again in 2024, this wouldn't happen because whether it's Xi in China or Putin in Russia or little rocket man in North Korea, these people won't F with me. It may be that simple, Yes. Well, the best source on this is Pompeo, uh, the former Secretary of State, who I believe is an honest man. So he's got a book. Yeah, it's a good book. I had him on uh, the No Spin News, which I, I hope people check out because it's so far and away better than what you're watching on the network and cable news shows. I mean, Absolutely. so we had Pompeo on. And I basically said to Pompeo, um, any balloons are in your four-year tenure? Uh, he wasn't there four, but he was like two and a half. under. Your ten no. And I believe that. 
I believe he's telling the truth. But there's always been surveillance. I mean, the Chinese, we surveil them. They surveil us. It's always been that way. But there weren't balloons floating across. Then I said to him, uh, Putin and Xi, did they fear Trump? And that's a key word now, fear. Because everybody knows nobody fears Joe Biden. Okay, except MSNBC because their ratings are going down. <laughs> They're the only people on CNN morning program, only people who fear Joe Biden. And he said, yes, they knew he was unpredictable, that Trump was unpredictable, that he wasn't going to go through the chain of command necessarily if we did something heinous. And I, then I said to him, was there any threat from Putin to Ukraine? Any buildup, any intel? Because remember, Pompeo was former CIA chief. Anything that he was going to go in militarily, he said no. How about that? So yep. I believe all of that myself. I could be wrong. But I believe that when you got a president who, and I know this to be true, was this far away from blowing up every plane Iran had. <laughs> he was going to obliterate their entire air force, which he could have done. All right? This far away from designating the Mexican drug cartels terrorists and droning them and special forces them. When you got a guy like that, the equation is much different than when you have a person like Biden who is very hesitant to even make a decision on anything. Yep. And you can imagine one more thing. If Pete Buttigieg was president, so Buttigieg would say, hey, can we put off World War III for three weeks? I got more maternity leave. <laughs> he did take quite a bit of time off, like six months. 60 seconds to go. I'm sure you saw this. I've covered it twice already today. Chris Cuomo's comments on Anthony Scaramucci's podcast. I bring it up because you do go on Chris's show. And for what it's worth, like my show here, when you're on Chris's show, that that network, I guess, which gets very little ratings. You do get ratings for Cuomo when you're on. He said, when CNN fired me, I wanted to kill everybody, including myself. Hyperbole? Did he mean that? Have you, have you seen a different Chris Cuomo over the last couple um, of weeks? When I go on Cuomo on Wednesday nights on News Nation, they, they add audience, significant audience, um, because my people go over to watch. Whenever you are in a trauma... <clears throat> And this goes for Chris Cuomo or anybody else listening today. Depression sets in. I mean, it's, it, you just can't avoid it. The world looks black, dark, hopeless. So I think what he was feeling and that what he related to Scaramucci was true, but I don't think he was anywhere near taking any action. That's just what he was feeling emotionally. Well, he did threaten to uh, strangle me. I, I sent you the... Uh... Yeah, he said, but, but Sid, he's got to get in line for that, man. <laughs> I mean, he's like 80 guys. I so I wasn't upset. I said the yeah, same thing. Big I mean, deal. By the time Cuomo gets to you, there'll just be a toe left. <laughs> uh, you are funny. As always, a great, great appearance. What's up with uh, Killing the Witches? When is that Killing coming out? Killing the Witches, we're zeroing in on the, we should finish it in April, and then we'll polish and package. It'll be out September 26th. Very, very different book. It's, you know, it's about the witches, yeah, but a lot more. Didn't your book last year, and I remember this because my wife Danielle's birthday, September 27th, 
Don't, can the legends come out the 26th also? Yeah, pretty much. They like that date, but which is, you know, they want to run up Halloween. Right, and right. And then they want to segue into Christmas, which is, you know, the cool. marketing plan. Awesome. Hey, Bill, as always, excellent, excellent appearance. I love you to death. Have a great week. We'll do it again next Thursday. Thank you so much. All right, Sid. Stay well. You too, my man. Bill O'Reilly right here on Sid and Friends in the morning, wrapping up hour number three. We've got a very exciting hour number four today. Two of my favorite people in the world, Bo Deedle, Joseph Tacopina, and we'll play Sid's take. What's the game today, Bill, quickly? Three for Thursday. All right, three for Thursday. We do need a contestant today. No co-host today or tomorrow. We'll come back with 9 o'clock hour right after this. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. On your Thursday morning, this is the fourth and final hour of today's Thursday edition of the number one rated Nielsen News Talk show in New York City, Sid and Friends in the Morning. And we decided a couple of weeks ago to bring on Bo Dito twice a week because he's great. The listeners love him. I love him dearly. He's on every Tuesday at 740. And then he comes live in studio every Thursday at 905. And he sets this effing city on fire. Now, he's got a personal bone to pick with today with somebody who will get to that. But he's got a whole bunch of other stuff to do as well. So fresh off his amazing performance, which I saw the screening on Monday night in New York City in the movie Gemini Lounge. Here's my dear friend. I love him dearly. The great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. Good morning, Sid. I got a little problem for you, Sid. My problem? Yeah. we just I just finished uh, filming the Judge No Book by its cover. And guess who the bartender was? None other than the former greatest chief of the New York City Police Department. The chief is my friend Joe Esposito. He wasn't good. I tell you what, they had a casting agent from Blue Bloods there, and they're bringing him on to my show next week. That's unbelievable. He wasn't good. He was fantastic. He wore his cap down, and he was making the drinks there. said... I love you, man, but I'm out. I, I'm, I'm out. I don't. I don't know. And wow, was he really good? I I was very lucky to work right with him. And uh, that's great. He stole the show. That's all. And then, uh, well, that's uh, Chris Marmando, who's in Gravesend with you and I. That's yeah. his show. And actually, well, when you called me a couple of days ago with Joe in the car, yeah. I was so happy for Joe. You know, he lost his wife last year, and he really had a tough time for a couple of months. And I'd see him once in a while, Bo Pop at Sorrentino, the Italian restaurant in the Rockaways, yeah. and. You know, he would be there with Patricia Domingo or the Monsignor, yeah. just trying to get back to life. And to hear this, where you've given him out two acting opportunities no, for I a great I, chief, whoa, whoa, that's whoa, great. I didn't give it to him. There was, like I said, someone from Blue Bloods picked up on what he was doing. Wow. And they said, you got to be in the Blue Bloods with Bo. Awesome. I mean, come on, that was it. That's, so so he's going to be at the wedding, he told me, at, in Blue Bloods. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, that I'm going to start filming that next week. But let's, let's clean up a little issues that are going on. You know, you, everyone's out there. We're all listening. Now, all of a sudden, they're talking about working 
city workers working remotely from home. Did you ever go into a city agency? <laughs> They're all walk, sitting there picking their friggin' noses. You ask for help at the window. Uh, excuse me, I need some help, whether it be any city agency. Now they want to work remotely. Are you kidding me? I had someone working remotely for me. It was at the friggin' beach. It was at the beach. I heard the waves going. I said, uh, are you home? Are you doing work remotely? This is bullcrap. Get into the office. Get off your fat butts and get into the office. Then we have, I talked about that little guy. Have a see there, that little chump from the assembly, the head of the assembly? Call Heasty. That guy, too. <laughs> the yeah. guy that knocks everything, doesn't want bail. Now the woman with the kerchiefs. A bigger fool. What's her name? Andrea Stewart Cousins. Andrea Stewart Cousins. <laughs> All of a sudden, she didn't like the way the judicial vote was going. They wanted to vote this great judge in there as a as the head of the judges of New York State. A well, wonderful, wonderful judge. And they tried to get him in there. And the Judiciary Committee voted to bring him in there. <laughs> and then you want to hear the dysfunction? This woman, Kirchhoff's around her. Says no, we're not going to approve that. We're going to have a vote with everybody. Who is everybody in the state senate? Ninety nine percent of people like the Star Wars bar scene. <laughs> oh sure, whatever you want. Ugh, all the progressive. Oh my God, liberal. Ah. So that's now all of a sudden. Now she voted this poor man down. This great Hispanic man. Did you remember his name? You don't even his remember. His name is LaSalle. LaSalle. It's LaSalle. And, and and what's what's bad about this is. Hokel picked him, and I despise Hokel. Mm. So there's a part of me that's somewhat gleeful because it comes back and makes her look bad. But to your point, Bo, yeah. he's a good guy. And what about the, what about the charter schools, this kerchief-wearing thing? Now all of a sudden, charter schools, and kids are learning, and then all of a sudden, as far as charter schools go, you got good ones, you got bad ones. We got to help the good ones. That's all I got to say. I know, about that. but this go, you know, you just mentioned two stories, yep. Paul, before you yep. get to our, our mutual friend here at the station. You just mentioned two yep. stories which speak directly to our mutual friend, the mayor, Eric Adams. Yep. One being uh, the remote working. He said he's okay with it now. Last year he said <laughs> he wasn't. Yeah. And the second is for a guy that seems very pro-charter schools mm-hmm. in Albany yesterday at the hearings, he didn't seem so pro-charter well, schools. Which one is it? Well, you know what? Uh, we got a board of education uh, uh, ahead that's really uh, Mr. Banks. You don't like him? I love him. Oh, okay. I think yeah. he's great. And he's all out there for the education of our kids. And that's the important thing. Yes. And then the, one more thing real fast. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can pick up the post. Is a book out uh, against my friend Sumner Redstone. And... Uh, Put it this way. I used to hang out with some of the rest on the old head of I Mike. remember. Um, I used to hang out at his house in Beverly Hills. We used to go out to dinner. He'd be screaming, yelling. I'd say, shut up. <laughs> and then when the thing happened with Imus, I called him up in California. I says, uh, Les Moonbeam Vest. Les Moonbeam Vest. Moon yeah, yeah. He's losing control here. He goes, oh, you know him, Bo. Call him up. So I called out Les Moonbeam. It was documented. All the, the timeline was documented in the Wall Street Journal about what happened. That's a whole other story. But let's get to but the wait, So who wrote the book about Sumner? Uh, some, 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 some. I like, I like some of the Redstone. Yeah, he, like was, he was like a hundred years old. Yeah, he had like he a 22 year old girlfriend. He had, he had two hookers that took him for about 150 million. He used to, I used to go over there with Jack Morris and uh, Joe Marino, and he'd sit there like this. Yeah, I had a tough, I had a great night last night. I had 12 orgasms. The guy didn't even take a pee that night. Oh, but we love some of the Redstone. He was a hero. Yeah, and I love Jack, and I love Jack Morris. Remember too. he was hanging out the window with the one arm, got yes, burned? Yes. When he was banging, taking some. Chicken, he's a good man, good man. Okay, let's get to it. 
I heard some things on the radio with my friend with the red bonnet. Yes. My friend Curtis Lever. This was he uh, talk- on yesterday's show with me. Yeah, and he talked about me and John Gotti was afraid to go into Canasi, and uh, basically Bo was a punk to go into Canasi, where the Gemini Lounge was. Uh, Curtis, that's the Canasi's the sixth nine precinct. Uh, the Gemini Lounge is in Flatland. <laughs> it's not even in Canasi, you red bonnet fool. You know what? You probably went to the. A Gemini ice cream store. <laughs> then you tell on the air, oh, I saw Roy DeMeo. I said, you have a problem. We'll take it out. First of all, if you walked into the Gemini Lounge, the only thing we would have found in the garbage can was your little red bonnet. <laughs> you know, come on. You don't even know where the Gemini Lounge is. It ain't in Canarsie, you fool. And then you make fun of my career. I was in the 7-5 detective squad well, for well, homicide. Well, let me stop you for one second because he did. I got to give him a little bit of credit. He did mention the fact that the St. Valentine's Massacre was yours, and he did mention the fact that you were the one who solved the crime oh, of the oh, nuns getting raped. I gotta raped. take his credit, Dudley. <laughs> I gotta take his credit. First of all, the Seven Five Precinct was called the Killing Fields, not Canarsie. We had over a hundred murders every year. One year we had one hundred twenty-four. It was the Killing Fields. That's what it was all about. And I was in the homicide team there. One of the guys I locked up killed five, and the last guy killed ten, including eight children. Oh, you're going to tell me, Curtis, I'm afraid to go in Canarsie? First of all, you don't even know where the Gemini Lounge is. And you're going to have a, I, you're going to have a beef with Roy DeMeo? Yeah, right. Please. Perfectly. Yeah. you got to understand, Curtis, the Gemini Lounge is in the 6-3 precinct. You in Canarsie's the 6-9 precinct. <laughs> know what you're talking about before you talk about it. Now! I understand why. I put $10,000 up when you got shot. I stuck up for you. But now I know why they shot you, Curtis. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, my God. I mean, he says things every day that can you know, get him shot by, by a number of people in this city every day. I guess that's why some people like him. A lot of people like him. He gets great ratings. You know, yeah, yeah he gets great ratings, but there's a lot of lies. <laughs> every day. I mean, he was everywhere. Thank you, Curtis, for giving me the information in East Harlem on the rape of the nun. Thank you so much. Thank you, Curtis, for giving me the information. <laughs> On the Palm Sunday Master, you gave me the information. You're your street. You know what, Curtis? Stop it. I just got a call, Curtis. Some real exciting news here. Uh-oh. Great news. Here it is right now. Is this for Curtis or for me? It's for Curtis. It's All great right. news. Yeah. I just got a call from one of my producers in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And they want to do a movie. And they want to do a movie, The Man with the Red Bonnet That Saved New York City. Stop. Curtis Lewa. And you know who they want to play him? Is this true? Harvey first <laughs> they want him to play him and you know how it's gonna open up it's gonna be in this little apartment with a hundred cats and instead of an alarm clock it's gonna have a cat peeing on his oh, face God. come on in curtis come on stop it don't attack your friends don't ever go against the family curtis well wait a second when you say don't attack your friends or well, the family you said about me i was afraid to go into canarsie but, but wait but when you say attack your friends or your family yeah. what you're saying there bo deedle is that your friends and or family with curtis sliwa but everybody knows that for the better part of the last three years you guys already like each other no i i look i put a ten thousand dollar reward when he got shot yeah did you know that? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. He knows it. Yeah. My point is I always stuck up for him. But when he turns on me <laughs> and challenges my career, 
And we got a little bit of a problem. Didn't he turn on you when you went for mayor also? Hey, you don't want to know something? That's his his shtick. But don't challenge my police career. That's one of the things that pisses me off. And I'm going to tell you something. Right then and there. Hey, Curtis, what's your answer? Where is the Gemini Lounge? In Canarsie. Canarsie. That's all I hear. You had maybe 10 murders a year back in the heyday. We had over 100 in East New York, the killing fields, okay? And then in East Harlem, when that nun got raped up there, I guess you sent your boys out and you found who raped the nun. No, you didn't. So stop your bull crap. Please, Curtis, you want to be entertaining? Don't lie. Because I got friends, Curtis, that would love for you to come out to dinner with me one night. Oh, God. There's a lot of people that don't uh, like you, Curtis. Oh, boy. And you know what? Stop lying. It's in the 6-3 Precinct Flatlands, the Gemini Lounge. Yes. So you should look it up before you talk. <laughs> now, if in fact I'm wrong, I challenge you right now that the Gemini Lounge is not in Canopy. <laughs> so what's, what's your answer back with that? Well, I went into the Gemini, with the Gemini ice cream store. That's what it was. Oh, my God. Now, I got a question for you, uh, uh, Curtis, because I know you listen to Sid every morning, and you're ready for 12 o'clock to come back at me. I got one. Remember, did you ever hear the Sahara, Sahara Lounge? Sahara Lounge? Sahara Lounge. Was that in Brooklyn Bowl? Sahara Lounge was in Brooklyn. Remember in the Godfather movie where Danny Aiello comes up to the guy, puts a grot around his neck? Yes. That was Frankie who? Who was that? I mean, Johnny Pentangelo. Right. Remember they tried to strangle us? Yes. That's yes. in Brooklyn. That was supposedly uh, Larry Gallo that was, that was supposed to get strangled. Then the cop came in there. Probably he doesn't know. He doesn't know where to say. Harry no, Lounge. no, no. That's in the 6th Street Precinct again, <laughs> and that's on Utica Avenue. Just a little updates. Do your due diligence, how could please. He, how could he not know this? He's Mr. Brooklyn. He's Mr. Canarsie. Every day I listen to him fighting with the, oh, I know the testers. I know this. Oh, Roy, the mayor, I said, you want to have a problem? Let's go. Really? Really? The only thing we would have found when we investigate your disappearance was your red little bonnet floating <laughs> in the toilet bowl, and they would have chopped you apart over there. Stop it. Please, Curtis, please. I love you. You work hard. You walk the streets, but stop it already. And don't challenge my police career. How dare you challenge my police career? You don't sound like you're kidding here. Like, you're really no, aggravated. I mean, the, the you're very day, upset. The other day, he says, I was afraid to go into Kanasi. <laughs> I was in East New York. The, it was the killing fields. Hundred murders every year. Yeah. Hundred. That's all I did was lock murders up. Kanasi. You're not afraid of anything. anything. I'm not afraid of anything Anyone? or anybody. Right. Listen to me. All joking aside, you can say what you want joking around, but don't challenge me. No. Because you know what? I have respect from everybody. Yes. And every one of my friends who, who are Italian in Italian businesses, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> have respect for me. You know why they got respect for me? I wasn't a rat. No. I wasn't no. a rat. No. Some people tell me the guy with the red bonnet. Oh. Could be a rat. Could be. I've heard Could that. Could be. I have heard that. A lot that. of phone yes. around. Well, I don't know that because, again, he's a friend of both the bars, well, but I've heard that him in a, You don't think that's a direct lie? About the Gemini Lounge? Oh, it is a direct lie, 100%. How many times did he say he went in there? Uh, he, he, he ten times. Out. I talked, I caught, I taught <laughs> stickball with the Tester twins. I did this. Is that not true? Hold on. No, no, no. You know where? He was everywhere. 
He was at, he was at the World Trade Center there, <laughs> uh, uh, pulling bodies out of their toe necks. I didn't see you down there, but Curtis, I didn't see you down there. Maybe you were there. Maybe you stopped the other plane from hitting the buildings. I don't know what's next. But the movie's going to come out. The man with the red bonnet that saved New York City, Harvey Feinstein. <laughs> That's who they want him to play. I think it's fitting. I think it's fitting. Oh, and I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't like my, my career to be challenged. No. Nope. And there's a lot of great I cops. Agree. I wasn't the best of the best of nothing like that. You were that. up there. You were no, up there. No, 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 no. Yeah. I worked hard, and I cared about the people in New York. That's <laughs> why I did what I did. I was the recipient of 40 civilian complaints. Never, ever found it on one. 40. 40? I never killed anybody. I got point blank shot at, and the guy stabbed me to escape from Attica. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill anybody. That's one tough cop. Don't challenge my police career. That's all I tell you. Uh, what a beautiful appearance here by Bo Needle. We should have up a poll on a WABC. Who do you believe? No, just, just why don't you just Google? Right. Where the hell is Jimmy Lowkin? <laughs> they don't need a poll. Just Google the damn thing. It's not in Tennessee. It's in Flatlands. There you go, folks. The Gemini Lounge is in Flatlands, not Canarsie. And I can't wait, based on this amazing in-studio appearance. He has become the go-to guy in studio, Bo Deedle. I can't wait for Curtis tomorrow no, today, to try to probably, explain this. Today, 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 he's going to be on this afternoon at 12 o'clock. He attacks all your friends. And I guess I'm his target of the day. But I just, there's the one question tomorrow when you bring him on. Uh, where is the Gemini? But you've been telling us, Kanasi! <laughs> Don't you know where? No, that was the Gemini ice cream shop. And that was... Roy DePicho, we used to give him the <laughs> strawberry ice cream. <laughs> Not Roy DeMeo, he would have chopped you up, pal. <laughs> Both Needle, everybody, 740 every Tuesday morning, 905 every Thursday night. Of course, give our regards to the beautiful Margot Bowl. We'll come back with <laughs> famed defense attorney, my dear friend of 43 years, Joseph Takapina, right here on Sitting Friends in the morning, right at the <laughs> This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's kick off the evening by lighting up. Oi! From my friends, the star of the show. Oi! Oi! I spoke to a radio broadcaster famous here in New York, WABC, Sid Rosenberg. Oi! This Oi! is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help. Seventy-seven WABC. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and something without warning, love. So you like this before Takapina comes on, Lewis, the charity that um, Danielle and I started, inspired by our beautiful son, Gabriel. God, he's an angel. He's beautiful. Diagnosed with dyspraxia as a little boy. So we've got this charity, and John and Margot were kind enough to allow us to do a, um, a radiothon. We raised a, uh, a significant amount of money. But we've got something very, very cool. I think you're going to like this. 
the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. We are auctioning off, Lewis, two tickets to see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band at Madison Square Garden on April the 1st. Now, you got to go to the website starting Monday, Monday to Thursday next week. The Spotlight, Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. You go to the website starting Monday, February 20th, right through Friday. I'm sorry, Friday, Feb 24, and you're going to bid. It's an online auction. Two tickets, Madison Square Garden, April 1st. Stephen Van Zelt helped me out with this. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. All the money goes to the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, which, of course, uh, my son Gabe has dyspraxia. This charity we started, Danielle and I. So Monday through Friday next week, I'll have more details tomorrow and Monday. Your chance to bid to win, bid to win a pair of Springsteen tickets at the Garden. Huge. Huge, Con- right? Considering that uh, even Springsteen can't afford his own tickets. I know. <laughs> Tell That's, me about it. Uh, By the way, you know my boy Stevie price. down in Miami contracted uh, COVID, contacted COVID, and was not able to do the three shows in Dallas. Van Zant, he was out. He just returned to the band yesterday. He missed three shows in Dallas because he got COVID, Van Zant. Did you know that? No. Yeah. They did not know that. Yeah, he missed three shows. Anyway, April 1st, Madison Square Garden. Check it out on the website, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. He is the best defense attorney in the world. He's my best buddy for 43 years. I'm so proud of him. He's on this show every week. He's the great Joseph Tacopina. Good morning, Tac. Say good morning. Sorry about that. It was 9.35, not 9.25, but that's my... That's okay. My that's all right. Uh, you doing, brother? Whenever you're on, it's great to have you. So give me the latest, what's going on with a bunch of items. Let's start with uh, Donald Trump. Well, you know, we're plowing ahead. We, uh, we're starting a trial in uh, April in federal court in New York. You know, it's first trial, really, that I think from all these litigations that's going to occur um, regarding uh, regarding... Uh, let's see how I could do this without getting in trouble, but uh, an allegation <laughs> of sexual assault in a Bergdorf Goodman changing room 27 years ago. Um, so that first surfaced when uh, the the alleged victim wanted to write a book and sell a book and add Donald Trump's name into it. But, you know, that's that's all I could say about that. Said we're in federal court. We have a, a judge who I have an awful lot of respect for, and I want to not run afoul of the rules. But that case is going to be on trial. I mean, we're really going to trial in April on, on that case. Uh, yes, uh Justin, I can't uh, hear Joe while you're talking to me, but yes, three of them did uh, get that. All right, so that uh, that starts next week. Now, I did no, see next, Rihanna. April, April. Yeah, he's talking April, to me about April, uh, Patty April. and Van Zandt and a bunch of people getting COVID while you're talking. Which, <laughs> um, uh, COVID was done. I, I mean, just, I appreciate the information, but I can't hear Joseph. Uh, the, the next one I want to ask you about is, uh, is Aesop Rocky because the world got a chance, Joe Tacopina, to see Rihanna at the halftime show. And it was brutal. I know some people were there. They're like, oh, Sid, you had to be here. No, I didn't. The outfit looked ridiculous. I know she's pregnant. God bless her. That was an awful outfit. There was The choreography sucked. Yeah, she was up in the sky, blah, blah, blah. And I love her music. I love her music. It was one of the worst halftime shows I've ever seen. But then again, you're involved with her significant other, Aesop Rocky. What's going on there? I represent both of them. I mean, I had dinner with them Saturday night at their house before the Super Bowl. Did you really do that? Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just the three of us. You are the, you are the man, Joe. You're the man. Rocky and I were just hanging out. 
at one point they were getting all their stuff done. I was holding the baby. So I mean, it, was a, it was a great night. You know, it was a relaxing night. Not exactly the pre-Super Bowl parties that were all out there. Everyone was going to. I was I was playing the Mr. Dad with Rocky, who was a great guy and a great father. Um, and then they're a great couple. They really are. So I could disagree with you more. Of course not. I thought it was electric up performance. It was awful. I, I did. I mean, I did. It's it was awful. Said, yeah, come on. You're out of your mind. I love the fact, you, the had, fact, I, I love the fact you had dinner with them. Fantasy. Listen, buddy, if you had dinner with Charles Manson on Saturday night, you would have told me he was a great writer. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. You, can, you can't dispute Rihanna's you know, status as the queen. I mean, she really is amazing. Oh, yeah. What she does, the, the oh. audience was incredible. And Rocky's a phenomenal, not only an artist, but he's a model for Gucci, for Yves Saint Laurent. I mean, the guy's, guy's got it all going on. He's an artist. So they're a very impressive group. And I'll tell you what, you know, I represent a lot of entertainers. ASAP Rocky, to me, is a different level of guy. He's just a terrific person. It really is. It's I'm not saying because I represent him. I, rep- I represent others. This guy is has an intellect that is very, very different. And we were talking about philosophy and, 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 and things you would never imagine. But he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. See, that's shocking to me because, and I don't know Aesop Rocky, and not that he's that intelligent, but, you know, you represented Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio and Foxy Brown and A-Rod's a moron, but a lot of really, really smart people. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, honestly, I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I've represented a lot of entertainers, as you know, um, a lot of rappers from from Meek and, and YG and everyone else and Dan Snyder, the owner of the, the NFL team, and yeah, A-Rod and others, but, but I'm, I'm not taking anything away. Um, but I represented you. Right. And my, and I miss, no, and guy, I miss, I miss too, by the way. I miss, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But he's, he, and Sean Alley, I mean, smart, smart people. And I'm not saying Rocky's smarter than everyone I've ever represented. He's just an incredibly intellectual uh, individual who's a really, really nice guy. Like the guy is un, un, an unbelievably nice person. It's, he, he's not caught up in his stardom and his fame. And look, I mean, the guy's like got it all, right? He's married to Rihanna. Um, you know, they have a family together. He's successful in his own right. I mean, but uh, he's a, a really, really terrific guy and a really nice guy just to have a chat with. Right. So as you know, the... Oh, you know was cool, by the way? Oh. Oh, I got to tell you this. You'll like this. Oh. So I'm sitting there. The, the Mike Rubin, who owns Fanatics, had this Super Bowl party the day before. And I was in there. and It was in the, the roped off area with Jay-Z. And Kevin Hart was in there. And... And uh, Lil Baby and Meek Mill was in oh, there. By the way, by the, you, and, were, and you, you, you were starting to drop names uh, like Pat O'Brien. <laughs> not, not to drop names. Not to drop names. These are my clients. I mean, you know I represent these people. So it's yeah. not like I'm dropping names. Like, you know, Kevin Hart happened to be in there, which was cool. But I'm sitting there talking to some guy sitting for 15, 20 minutes next to me. I didn't know who it was. Nicest guy. I was just a humble guy. And I thought he was an entertainer. I was like, so are you a you, are you a rapper or what's your genre of music? He says, no, I'm an athlete. I said, oh, you're an athlete. What do you play? He said, football. And I said, football. And I'm looking at him, and he now starts to look familiar, and he has a, a diamond number three on his chest. I said, what team do you play for? Oh, Hamlin. He says, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Hamlin. Yep. He yeah. said, Buffalo Bills. I go, yeah. are you number three on the Buffalo Bills? He yeah. said, yeah. I go, come here, Lamar, give me a hug. Yeah. And I hugged this guy. He was such an, oh, my God. Yeah. What a nice guy he was. No, he, he he was on the TV uh, pregame show. He's incredibly likable. I think the you know the Fox and the NFL does uh, that story a disservice when not once but twice Kurt Menefee describes his situation as a tragedy. It would have been a tragedy if the kid would have died. He's twenty four years old. He's going to play right. football again. That's not a tragedy. He's okay. They got to stop with no, that. I agree with you. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It wasn't a tragedy. You're right. It would have been a tragedy if he, if he died or could never play again. Or he's, he's ready to go. I mean, he looked great and he sounded great and he has very high hopes for his future. Yeah, no, so he, he's that a was, nice that kid. Was something that was cool to me. 
that was something that was cool to me. Yeah, because he was really such a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he is a nice kid. Every time I see him, and now you got to see him personally, but every time I see him, I do like him. So uh, you know my boss, the great John Katzmatidi. He's not just my boss, but a dear friend. Him great. and his beautiful no, wife. Great guy. Great, great guy. guy. And they, they they own Gristini's and D'Agostino's, and they've been yeah. suffering through a lot of shoplifting over the last year, all the crime in New York City. I mean, oh. they, they've, they've had huge issues, and the mayor, Eric Adams, was up in Albany yesterday fighting on the bail reform stuff, and he talked about how the, the shoplifting is actually costing some of these New York City workers their jobs, but it looked like another day where Adams was up there and didn't get done what we need to be done. What, what are your thoughts on the whole shoplifting issue? I, it's, it's unbelievable to me that this is allowed to happen in, in, in this day and age. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's an epidemic. It really is an epidemic. It's a shoplifting epidemic. I've been in Dwayne Reeves in the city where guys just come in, not masked up. They take a case of beer. They smile. They walk right out. I'm waiting to pay for my toothpaste. They walk <laughs> right out, and they're gone. And it's just like not even – no one rings a bell. Yeah. No one says, hey, stop. Yeah. They just like wave, and they go. And it's like – I just said to the guy, that's cool. You want to happen? He goes, we're not allowed to do anything. I said, you're not allowed to do it. So imagine if I owned Dwayne Reeds. I mean, chain stores are closing down. People are being employed in those stores are losing their jobs. And, you know, so they're adding to our unemployment. It's unbelievable that law enforcement's hands are literally tied because that's considered a, a petty crime. These petty crimes, these, these quality of life crimes, would make the city intolerable for many now. And it's unbelievable to see people allowed to steal, steal without having any consequences whatsoever. It's honestly it's disgusting. I almost want them to stop the guy. Then I'm like, yeah, that's what I need right now. You know, oh, well, it would have been great. You would have been like, you would have been a hero. You would have been in the paper. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I would have been the one salt case that they prosecuted. So, you know, I would have gone after him and knocked him out. I would have been the assault case if they wanted a million dollars of bail. You're right. You're right. Just stay out of it. You're better off, especially with these people here. They get angry over everything. Uh, On the way out, uh, George Santos says, I'm not leaving. I don't know what the what the what the legal ramifications are here. That money, of course, that 700,000 still not explained, but I'm not leaving. What do you think about that? Oh, he's leaving. It may not be of his own accord or his own will. He's leaving. He's going to be indicted. There's there's multiple criminal investigations going on. He's committed fraud after fraud. He actually admits he committed fraud, and he's so arrogant that he thinks he's going to get reelected again. I mean, he's leaving. He's going to be charged. There's, in my mind, there's no doubt. The federal prosecutors are already looking at him. That's a problem, and he's made some serious misrepresentations on his on his you know. Um, campaign documents and whatnot, but more importantly, he's a fraud. Even his constituents want him out. Yep. So the people who thought he was somebody who they liked or just a, a, you know, a person that sort of represented them, they realize he's nothing but a grifter, and he's a grifter who has stolen time and again, and he's, you know, he's a fraud from A to Z. And it's unbelievable that he sits there with this arrogant, smug look in his face when he's in Congress, thinking he belongs. (laughs) No one wants him. So he's going to be charged, those days. It's inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable. And that was a good move on his part to go from anonymity, where he apparently lived a life of fraud and and, and got away with all these different frauds, to put himself in the public spotlight. (laughs) I thought that was a terrific move on his part. So now he'll spend the rest of his life in jail, where he otherwise had skated free. Um, But, you know, the people people are strange. Uh, they are. Joseph, uh, another great appearance. Thank you so much for hopping on on this Thursday. I guess next week you'll be back to your regular 8.40 a.m. Friday slot. Yes, sir. But as always, uh, a tremendous time. job today. I love you. Thank you so much. It was great. Okay, brother. Talk to you My later. man, Joe Tacopina.
best defense attorney in the country. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Uh Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters Uh on 77 WABC. Well, you heard the man. Sid's Take. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Fearless Boilers. Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You gotta go. Fearlessboilers.com. Paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. Lewis, do you have a Peerless Boiler? I... Do not. You I traitor. Live. Yeah, I am. Well, yeah. they used to call me Arnold yeah. in the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, when I get a home, when I get a house, you know, instead of the crate I'm living in, I'll you know, have a fearless boiler. Of course. Up, um, and you get to deal with the greatest man around. Right. Pete Morgan. Pete Morgan. I didn't have hot water for two weeks. Oh, and nobody I, cares. And not one point did I even like, oh. think Pete Morgan... I could call Pete Morgan up until oh after God. it was already settled. Pete Morgan oh would have ignored your call. Probably. Yeah, because he doesn't know who you are. No. Anyway, I'm Justin Alec. A lot <laughs> well, of people know. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people know who I am. Yeah, yeah your mom, your dad, and that's it. That's all that matters, Phil. These are the people that love me. Uh, our theme you, for the game. What? You, will you stop? We don't have time for your shenanigans today. <laughs> uh, uh, go with the game. Our theme for the game. Uh, three for Thursday. We'll give you three hints. You got to uh, tell us what we're thinking of. Our contestant, John in Orlando. John, what's going on? Hey, good morning. Good. I'm actually from the Bronx. I live in the Bronx. I'm on vacation. Oh, that's very nice. Spending a lot of time on the beach then. Well, I'm gonna try. Uh-huh. Oh, you just got there. Yeah, uh, two days ago. Okay, you ready for the game? Yeah. All right. Uh, three hints. You got to tell me what I'm thinking of. Number one, Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, Patrick Mahomes. Super Bowl quarterback? Mm-mm. That is true. Oh, well. They are all Super Bowl quarterbacks, but they are also all Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. I don't, I don't remember the last time Cooper Cup uh, was a quarterback. No, that's true, actually. Last three Super Bowl MVPs. So you were doubly oh, wrong. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> you were doubly wrong. You were doubly wrong, and I was only just wrong. Wrong. So, oh, okay. You know. Are you ready for number two, John? Yeah. Okay, over one. Ari Fleischer, Dana Perino, and Sean Spicer. Oh, uh... White House press secretary. Very good job. One for two. Batting 500. On to number five. Sign of the Times, 1999. And Around the World in a Day. Oh, those are uh, Prince songs. Mm. Can't, can't give it to him. Can't, can't, can't give it to him. <laughs> Prince albums would be the correct answer. Prince albums. Oh, all right. Yeah, listen, I wish we could have said close enough, but we didn't. Yeah, well, we don't really have time for that, so spit it out, all right? (laughs) One one for three, on to number four. Lacroix, Perrier, and Pellegrino. Why don't you say like an idiot? Uh, Because that's how you say it. Bottled water. What? No. Need a, okay. I don't know they're, they're sparkling waters. Well, you they say like how you're supposed to say. They, they sparkle. Yeah. Yeah, but they're all bottled. 
Yeah, they are all in bottles. Actually, correct. But they're, it comes but, in a can. But they're not. Like when you go to a restaurant, John, and they say, do you want, hey, do you want tap water, bottled oh, water, or sparkling sparkly, water? Sparkly. Yeah. McCoy also doesn't come Very, in bottles. Okay. All right. All right. A little bit picky. But you're, you're all right. I'm a little bit picky, but Phil's in a bad mood today, so I don't know what to tell you. All right. One, one, one for What's with all the. Look at all, look at all this side talk going on in here. This is He's ridiculous. Just mumbling. I mean, my God. God forbid we have a conversation. One for four. <laughs> Uh, on to number five, in an attempt to go two for five, John, Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Hochul, and Chris Cuomo. Oh. Mm. Right. Not gonna rush. No. Uh, yes. Who do these? Uh, uh, these people all hate one I, thing. You could be going for anything with that one. I don't know. I know. It's kind of vague, actually. That's a very vague question. I honestly very vague. Couldn't, very even, vague. couldn't even think of the idiot that came up with this one. All right. I can. Yeah. Probably Phil. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Give me okay. a guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're giving it to him. We're giving it to him. All right. Johnny boy, uh, we'll give you that one because, uh, because of the witty answer. <laughs> Two for five. And the bottle's water and the sparkling water. That's true, right. So we, right. so we owe you one anyways. Yeah, that's all right. Two, we're, we're past that one already. Yeah, two for five. The uh, correct answer was that was people who will never come on the program. Enemies. Enemies of the <laughs> Sitting Friends of the Morning program. Enemies. Don't you worry. didn't include part it? Yeah, well, it, right. it, wasn't, it wasn't that funny, Joe. All right, I'm ready to play. <laughs> <laughs> all he right. Won't, he won't get it, though. Here worry. he comes. Here all he right, comes. how many did he get? All Looking right. very, uh... Let's go. Let's go. It's looking very You guys giving the last one for real? Nah, I don't know. I was. Uh, I, I am looking I swole today. Could it be any tighter, do you think? It's not that. It's a, it's a large. Really? Well, I got a lot of muscle, bro. I think it's a medium. It's not a medium. It's, it's a, a child, large. It's a child's medium. Don't be jealous. Now, did they? Because I'm in great shape. Did they touch you up for the movie? Like, did they do any post-production to make you look bigger? No. They pierced his nipples. No. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess the camera adds some weight. And, and I look, I look really strong, really strong. I mean, right now, if I wore, if I was on the movies wearing this shirt, I would look big, right. really big. Well, you're so. a big guy. I am a big guy. Yeah, yeah. very handsome. Yeah. Are you How ready? many did he get right? Uh, he got two right. Can't find my phone. No, boy, that's yeah. Uh, I think Troj has it. Gonna have well, to deal with that now. Whoever has that just uh, okay. stumbled upon a gold mine. Uh, right. <laughs> have a nice funny. time. <laughs> that's funny. Don't bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You ready? No. Okay. Number one: Tom Brady, Cooper Cup, and Patrick Mahomes. The last three Super Bowl MVPs. Wow. 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 That couldn't have been a more perfect answer. That was exactly. Did you think that was a hard one? Uh, no, not really, no. It, but you said it exactly. Oh, thank still you. Wrote it. All right, Alex. That was yeah. very good. One for what one. What is? Think yeah. something's Did the contestant get it right? Uh, no. All right. Number two. Ari Fleischer, Dana Perino, Sean Spicer. Uh, uh, the White House Communication Directors. That'll do. Oh. What do you mean? That'll do. It's the same thing. Is it the same thing? Ari Fleischer was Reagan. Perino was Bush. And Spicer was Trump. I know. Ari Fleischer was also. Because it says here White House press secretaries. Oh, that is true. No, I'm wrong, actually. I think they're two different things. I am wrong. They are wrong. Damn it. Oh, wow. Because, for example, Anthony Scaramucci was the White House press director while Spicer... I got it right. Yeah, Lou was right. But I knew what it was. I even named the president all three Well, you did. You got Fleischer's president wrong. He was Reagan. He was Reagan. It was an Italian. Wasn't it Bush? Yeah. Did he do both? No, he was Reagan. Perino no. was Bush. 
and Trump was uh, Spicer. Oh. Don't, don't effing tell me. I'll punch you in the face. I'll punch I'm you right across the face. You see this outfit? I'm tough. All right. <laughs> yeah, but when you look it up, don't just like don't just yell it out of nowhere. Right. We, we don't have time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Under number three, sign of the times, 1999, around the world in a day. Harry Styles. <laughs> uh, Prince albums. No. Oh, Sign of the Times is a big Harry Styles song. It is a big song, yeah. Harry Styles. But I think he, re- he redid it. It's an, oh, he didn't okay. write the song, yeah. There you have it, Prince. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, so Ari Fleischer, I did look it up. Uh, Ari Fleischer, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to jump out of nowhere like you told me not Reagan? to. Reagan? Yeah. Uh, no, it was George W. Bush. I was 2001 right, yeah. to 2003. Told you. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So far off. Thank God. By 20 that. years. Okay. Well, he's one for three. He needs, uh, two, he needs <laughs> his last up. two to win today's game. And number four, LaCroix, Perrier, and Pellegrino. Water, so uh, uh, bottled water. No, nope. uh, uh, from, from France. Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, keep going, keep going. Biden sentence. Silent R's. I don't know. Brands of shirts. Say, what what is it? What's sparkling water brands. Sparkling water. They're bubbled water. It's what we bottled water. That's not bottled water. That's not bottled water. Croy comes in Fiji is a bottled water. That's a, just go, a regular still water. Go. Number five. Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Hochul, Chris Cuomo. Say it again. Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Hochul, and Chris Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, Kathy Hochul, and Chris Cuomo. That's mm. almost impossible, even for you. It's, it's I don't even. Yeah, I don't know. It's something to do with you, but something to do with me. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, I hate all of them. Mm-hmm. All right, you're getting close. Mm. Uh, the, uh, what do you do for a living? Radio host. <laughs> uh, what's the answer? I don't know. <laughs> People. <laughs> People, enemies of the program. People that'll never make enemies it on the program. Enemies of the program. They'll never come on Interesting. The show. That's true. You're right. But why just three? All right. Well <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah. Well done, Macedonia, <laughs> Phil, and Justin Ellick. We'll wrap things up we're right lucky, after this. <laughs> it's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> Oh, I like this song. Hungry Like the Wolf, Duran Duran. Oh, it was great today. The whole show was great today. The guests were great. They really were, all of them. Judge Napolitano, Noam Layden, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Joseph Tacopina, Lewis, as always, just a tremendous job. Macedonia, Phil, you're tremendous. And uh, Justin Ellick, a great job, too. And Noam Layden, now doing the news on the morning show. Congrats, Noam. Kicked out of the park twice today, doing the news and the Noam Nuggets. We'll be back tomorrow. I think Mayor Eric Adams will join me. The starters, we'll have a lot more for you as you wrap up another week of great shows on Sid and Friends in the morning. That'll do it for this Thursday edition. God willing, we'll all be back 6 a.m. tomorrow morning to do it again. Until then, New York City, from all of us to all of you, 